Welcome to the Steve Travelly Show on demand. Don't forget to follow this show so you never miss a minute. In Jersey, 101.5. What the hell are you doing here? From the streets of Union City to your nighttime radio. Steve Travelis keeps you in the Jersey, no. From 7 till 11. Live, local, and live. Steve Travelis on New Jersey 101.5. Weekday night, Steve's live, local, and live. Call him at 1 800 283 101.5. And welcome to Monday night in New Jersey. I hope you had a good weekend. You deserved it. Look at this. Look at this. Memorial Day is this coming weekend. Can you believe it? And we've yet to have snow, thank God. And uh, we got so much to talk about between now and then. At 1-800-283-101.5. Ray Dittinger is coming on tonight. Yes, this is New Jersey 101.5. I think Ray Dittinger, every time he sits down to breakfast... NFL film crew sets up around him and they start asking him questions for the NFL network. But he wrote a play called Tommy and Me. And it's an incredible play. It's going to be at the Bucks County Playhouse. And it premiered over the weekend. And Ray's coming on to talk to us about it. And we're going to have a pair of tickets to give away to the show. So if you're an Eagle fan, you want to stick around for that at 910. We're going to be talking about, uh, did you ever get to meet your idol? And how did it go? Best story will get the ticket, so think about that between now and then. Uh, something came up. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the other things we're going to talk about tonight. Those ticket blitzes that, you know, how do we know it's Memorial Day weekend? Because it's seatbelt ticket blitzing season. When uh, we're so concerned for your safety that we want to reach into your wallet and make you pay for not having your seatbelt on. Not because we're concerned about you. But I'm sorry, not because we want your money. Because we're concerned about you here in New Jersey. We worry about your health. But this came up when I answered my email. And uh, did you ever cut through a parking lot to avoid a light? And did you ever wonder if it's legal or not? Because I always thought it was illegal and you couldn't do it. And yet I got a, a call uh, I got a letter, actually, an email from David, uh, who's a listener, good guy, he's been on before, and he was saying that my mom cut through a Dunkin' Donuts on Green Street to avoid a long light on Route 1 years ago. Cop pulled her over and had her have that stupid ticket. She went to court, judge threw it out, verbally destroyed the cop in court. Police cannot prove you're avoiding a light. And they cannot issue tickets on private property, like malls or gas stations. Is that the truth? I don't know. Because according to uh, a story that's on uh, uh, Cat Country, which is one of our affiliates, and uh, now i got to wait for the uh, website ad to play. All right. According to a story on Cat Country by, uh, I'm trying to see who it is here, uh, by Bueller, 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 okay, uh, he quotes a lawyer, uh, and the lawyer is Richard G. Hoisinga. If you violate this provision and are convicted of or plead guilty to driving on public or private property to avoid a traffic sign or signal, the law says you will be liable for a penalty 
ranging from $50 to $200. Court costs up to $33, a $6 assessment and or imprisonment for up to 15 days. So uh, David's on the line right now. Now, David, what do you make of this? Hey, it's Toe 48, man. What's up, Steve? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. So listen, um, like I said in my email, my buddy was a judge in Woodbridge. Right. Don't give his name. Okay, okay. I, well, I, I told you who he was. Right. And uh, he was a judge when I you know, came back from Maryland after 9-11. Right. So my mom uh, tried to avoid a, a, a red light on Route 1 right near my house. Right. And she cut through the Dunkin' Donuts, and one of the Woodbridge PD pulled her over, and she was like, oh, this thing was going on, blah, 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 blah. So, she's like, so she went down to court. Well, my buddy was the judge, like I just said. Right. So he was like, how do you know she was avoiding the light? Maybe she just stopped in Dunkin' Donuts and changed her mind. So he threw the ticket out. I was with my mom because she was older, you know. So your friend, and, the judge, is the one yeah. who reamed the cop. Oh, I was there. I wish I had video, man. Uh-huh. He reamed this guy like you can't believe. He was like, if you ever pull a stupid stunt like this, I'll demote you yeah. so fast. I was like, yeah. I mean, Steve, like I said, you cops cannot give you tickets on private property. You can't get a ticket at the mall. I don't care if a plane fell on you. I don't care if an aircraft carrier hits you. No, wait a minute. A cop, yeah. a cop can't give you a ticket on the, at the mall. If you're driving through the parking lot, you're racing through the parking lot at the mall. Cop is yep. behind you. Of course he can give you a ticket. No, he can't. I'll bet you 50 bucks. I'll come to your next comedy show. I'll, I'll do some stand-up with you. 50 bucks. He cannot give you a ticket on private property. I carry a DMV manual with me on my school bus. Oh, I forgot. I never told you this, Steve. Back in 2004, a drunk motorcyclist ran into me and got killed by Metro Park. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I had come, I, have, I think I was back for about two years. And I uh, got a careless driving ticket, which got dismissed. That's why that cop has no job. I told you I worked for the feds in Washington. Right. I worked for some big boys down there. You know, them at agencies that end with A, like DIA, CIA. Oh, all yeah, right. I got it. I got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, all all right, yeah. So, yeah. so basically what we're, oh, yeah. what we're doing here is you can't – got to stay on point. You, uh, so you're saying that if you cut through a parking lot to avoid a light, the cop cannot right. give you a ticket. He cannot give you a ticket. It would make sense well, to how's me. He, how's he going to prove that you, how, how does he know that you are, are avoiding a light? Maybe I stopped in a 7-Eleven and I said, ah, I changed my mind and kept going. How does he know? He's not, they're not mind well, that, readers. That's Somebody, the thing like that. My, my thing would have been that because I would have said, you know what? Because there have been times when I'm thinking, all right, you know what? I'm low on gas. I'm going to pull in and I'm going to get some gas and I'm going to avoid the light. Well, rather than just wait for the light, I'll get some gas. <laughs> yeah. So you pull yeah. into the park. And like, what are they crazy? I'm not paying three seventy five a gallon for gas. And then you right. pull out. So and if the cop out. pulls you over, should that be a crime or is that should that be a fine? Don't they got more important things to worry about? I mean, seriously. Well, come on. I, I don't want to attack. The police officers are our friends. Yeah. They do a fantastic oh, job. Yeah, I mean, but still, I, with, I mean, I that's, a, that's a viable excuse. With, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's why if you look it up, they cannot give you a ticket on private property. I'll bet my house on it because I know I'm right. <laughs> Where do you live, David? Tell us about your home, David. All right. Good stuff, man. Thanks for calling. You got it. I now that is what David said. Now I don't know. I mean, uh, apparently there's a statute. Has anyone ever 
cut through a parking lot to avoid a traffic light or just cut through a parking lot where there was a traffic light and gotten a ticket for it. Because on the one hand, I can see what the cops say. Oh, I see what you're doing here. You can't do that. On the other hand, I could also see, like I said, you know what? Rather than sit in this line, rather than wait forever for this light, I might as well use this time to get gas. So you pull into the parking lot and you see that the price of gas is much more than you would want it to pay. And you say, nah, I'm not going to get it here. Or I reach into my wallet. Oh, my God, I don't have my wallet with me. Whatever. But has anyone ever done it? Is it a fine? Has anyone ever gotten a ticket for it? 1-800-283-101.5. I'm Steve Trevelisse. And uh, just like I said, it doesn't make sense to me that it should be. I get the idea. I'm going to wonder you say it could be. But if you legitimately are cutting, you know, you legitimately have purpose for pulling into the parking lot. And the other thing, too, is the idea that can a cop give you a ticket on private property? So you cut into the mall, you're racing around the parking lot of the mall, the cop follows you into the parking lot, he's in the parking lot for whatever reason. I know mall has security. I'm sure that the police officer seeing you speeding around the parking lot is going to easily say, pull over, yes or no. 1-800-283-101.5. I'm Steve Trevelisse. Here's Fast Trapping Minutes on New Jersey 101.5. Weather brought to you by College Hunks Hauling Junk and Moving. They watched me do spring cleaning. Yeah. Do you have old furniture laying around a house or a garage full of clutter? College Hunks Hauling Junk and Moving. Haul that stuff you don't want and move the stuff you do. Let them do that for you. Let tomorrow's leaders haul your junk today. Visit collegehunks.com. 1-800-283-101.5. couple of years, I'll get my kids' jobs there. All right, so uh, picture, if you will, right? You're coming up on a red light, and you see a, a traffic cluster F, and you don't want to be anywhere near it. And you're saying to yourself, hmm, hmm, I could use some gas. And there's a gas station right next to this line. So you pull into the parking lot. And then you see the price of the gas, and you say... I'm not spending three seventy-five a gallon for gas when it's three thirty everywhere else. So you then say, I am in the parking lot. So you avoid the light by pulling out onto the road. Can a cop give you a ticket for that? There's a lawyer that says yes, and there's a federal worker who called me and says no. What do you think? One eight hundred two eight three one zero one point five. Earl is in West Berlin, the Duke of Earl. What's up, Earl? Hey, how you doing? Good. How about you? Good, good. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, um, I'm calling in uh, reference to uh, David. Uh, right. I'm going to refer to him as uh, Joey Hotshot. Joey Hotshot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got a mob yeah, name now? Okay. No, Do you know no. him? He's just saying, no, I don't. No. But he was willing to bet you $50 that, uh, you know. No, he wanted to bet his house. Yeah, I, I'm ready to put my house up against them. Well, what kind of house you got? Listen, here's here's the thing: cops can't sit on private property and then pull out and give you a ticket. They're not allowed. It's private property. Now, I agree with you. You could pull into uh, a gas station right. and you could, you know, check out the scene and say, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to go here, and you could pull right out. There's nothing good. There's nothing against the law. That's what uh, David said. That's uh, what David said. David said the you can't get a ticket. There's a lawyer saying you can. 
Well, here's the thing. We live in Jersey. Right. Cops can issue tickets for anything. So now, wait a minute. You, you're on both sides of the fence here, Earl. Either can the cop give you the ticket or can the cop not give you the ticket? Uh, legally, he can give you a ticket. You're saying legally, have you ever gotten, have you ever gotten a ticket for this? Uh, for like tipping a light? No. For, for avoiding a light by cutting through the parking lot, the gas station, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you don't make it as obvious as, you know, just How do you like, not make it obvious? You're turning the car. <laughs> yeah, you're turning the car, but. Put, the way, put, put dark glasses on when you do it? I mean, how can you not make it obvious? I got dark glasses on right now. Uh, the only way I roll. Now, but now, Dave, he he was just so passionate about you know because he believes he's right. A ticket for this, they can't give you a ticket for that. Cops that give you tickets in Jersey for anything they want. All right, thanks for the call to New Jersey one hundred one point five. Uh, so uh, let's go to Lenny on two eighty seven on New Jersey one hundred one point five. Lenny, what are you thinking? Uh, I think uh, the the first caller's right because when I was younger, I was working at Kmart. Right. I got an accident leaving Kmart, merging onto the highway. Right. The cop told me it's my fault. He would give me a ticket, but I'm on private property, so I was lucky. So wait a minute. So the cop cannot give you a ticket on private property. No, sir. And now, what about the deal? So, if you're cutting through the gas station to avoid the crowded, congested intersection, can you get a ticket for that? I would say no, unless the person admitted that they were cutting through. Then I would assume. Why would Why would you admit you're cutting through? Uh, but even if you did, I mean, it's not if you can't get a ticket, you can. You could scream it from the rooftops, right? Yeah, that's true. All right, so you're saying yeah. no. All right, let's get Ray in Wall on New Jersey 101.5. Hey, Ray. Dave, good to talk to you again. I haven't spoken to you since the Galloping Gourmet talk. Oh, there he is. Have you finished your chicken a la king? <laughs> anyway, um, I actually got a ticket. Okay. Uh, actually, I got a ticket going into a parking lot. To, to turn to turn around, right? Actually, I, and I am to full disclosure, I am a lawyer, so I'm a lawyer, and I also got a ticket. But the, the thing was, I was going, I was going south on 549, and I should have been going north, right? So when I approached the light, I see the 7-Eleven on the corner, so I say, oh, I'll just pull up to the 7-Eleven, pull out on the side street, the side entrance, be at that light, and then make a left and go back the op the right way. You know, what's wrong with that? Well. I got a tick. I got two tickets for what? Because the bonus was the turn, and I was guilty. The turn that I made quickly onto the, the left, go back the right way, was a no left turn light. So, oh, uh, he got you was, there. But I got, but I got a ticket for improper, you know, U turn going through the parking lot. So what I'm saying is they can they can certainly give you a ticket. They won't give it to you in the parking lot. I mean, I got pulled over, you know, about uh, you know. Two, two minutes down the road, but and I wasn't sure what I did. I thought this was a great move. I pull in, I come out, the light turns green, I'm great, and I'm going in the right direction now. But I didn't realize because I was doing it all so fast right. that that light had a no left turn on it. So in court, I just I pleaded guilty to the no left turn, right. and they and they dismissed the that you know, that you know parking lot. Thing. But that's because so, they'll make because when you get the court, they'll totally make a deal with you on anything. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you could have gone in and said, I also didn't have my seatbelt on. You could have beat the other both tickets if you played that right. All right. So, but, 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 so, but is it illegal? Is what I don't understand. I mean, if you're, but you're a lawyer, right? Okay. My, my theory, my working theory, off, you know, I, I'm going to get gas while instead of sitting in this traffic, I pull into the lot and I see that the gas is too expensive. I change my mind and I pull out on the other side. How is that illegal? No, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, the, the only thing, and again, I think the only reason why I even got, I got stopped was because, I was doing it like an all-one motion. It wasn't like, I, you know, you, you might have stopped at the gas pump or you might have slowed down at the gas pump for the price. But, but, I, but I think that, again, that there's a difference between being able to give you a ticket and being able to get, you know, get a, 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 a guilty plea on that ticket. Now, that's another um, so, good point, said the lawyer. Yeah, you can give you the ticket. It doesn't mean you're going to get you got to Then you got to fight the ticket. Right. I know that's... And if we need a lawyer to do that, we got Ray and Wall here. If he could stop watching the Galloping Gourmet and maybe help out. Thanks for the call, my friend. It's 730. 1.5. Weather brought to you by W. Danley Electrical. Weather is unpredictable. But with a Generac automatic standby generator from W. Danley, you'll always have power. Right now, get 0% financing with payments as low as $139 a month. Visit Danley911.com. Terms and conditions apply. All right, 1-800-283-101.5. Steve Trevelis. Here's the question, and uh, it has come up. You're at a light, okay? You're coming up on a red light, and you see a whole bunch of traffic in front of it, and it stopped for a while. It's a real cluster you-know-what. But right next to the light is a gas station. You decide, I'm going to, rather than sit in that light forever, I'm going to go in a gas station. I'm going to fill up and then I'm going to pull out on the other side of the road. And let's say you get in the gas station and now you realize, you know what? This gas is way too expensive. I'm just going to pull out on the side of the road and you avoid that cluster F. And a cop sees you and he decides, who do you think you are avoiding that cluster F? Can he give you a ticket? Now, there are two schools of thought on this. There's David, uh, you know, who listens to the show. And said he's worked for the federal government. And he says the cop cannot give you a ticket, cannot prove you're avoiding a light. They cannot issue tickets on private property like malls or gas stations. Uh, there's a lawyer, Richard Huizinga, uh, says uh, if you violate this provision and are convicted or plead guilty to driving on a public or private property to avoid a traffic sign or signal, the law says you are liable for a penalty ranging from 50 to $200, uh, statute 33-4-66.2, court costs up to $33, and JSA 22A-3-4, a $6 assessment, and JSA 39, uh, semicolon 5-41, or imprisonment for up to 15 days. You're going to go to jail now? For 15 days for this? You tell me. 1-800-283-101.5. John is in Highland Park on New Jersey 101.5. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? I'm good. You know, I just wanted to say, a couple of years back, a gentleman at the Brunswick Square Mall, not only did he violate a law on, on the parking lot property, he actually drove literally through the mall. He went in at Mace, he went what? in Penny, JC, he went in at JC Penney's through the wind, through the front doors and drove through the mall and came out at Macy's. How the hell did he get the car in? I didn't even, I, I so can't he, imagine he on drove, doors. He, 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 he through, drove the through the glass? Through the glass. 
Well, of course, that's got to be a ticket, right? Yeah, well, they didn't only give me a ticket. They arrested him. Well, I figured they would. Well, getting back to the other point. Okay. I equate things. I, I, I have a couple of friends of mine that are police officers and they're right. relatives. And I equate, like, you know, give the guys a break. They, they see a lot more than we do. But... It's there's there's like nothing negative about it's, the cops here. This is just a question no. of is it a is it an offense? Right. It's kind of like littering. If one guy litters, right. and the cop pulls him over and gives him a ticket. I officer, I only do a little small thing out the window of the car. What if ten thousand people a day do it? What if a thousand people go to? This I'm not looking to learn a lesson here. I'm just asking I'm just, you: I'm is, just, it, just, is it just, legal I'm, or I'm, illegal? I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I was given a ticket right. for running two stop signs right. in the mall. But you I can't, thought, wait a uh, minute, you ran two stop signs in the mall parking lot and the cops gave you a ticket? Yes. Again, you yes. sure, what, was it mall security or was it actual police? It was Walmart. It no, was, no, 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 my, my question is this. North Front Police. It was, right, so it was actual police that gave you a ticket for running two stop mm -hmm. signs in a mall parking lot? Right, I rolled through okay. them. I didn't. He, I didn't actually stop. I rolled through them. Was, but, you know, so, but mall he did. Mall yeah. was empty. Sunday morning. So, what kind of a ticket did he give you for running a stop sign? And you had to pay a fine. Yeah, I had to pay two fines. He gave me two tickets. Points on your license. Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess it, and you can give tickets on uh, private property. Yeah, I mean, I, I had no idea that you couldn't. I would have pled not guilty. I went into court and pled guilty. Well, you know what? Maybe you should have pled not guilty and see what would have happened. Tom is in Brooklyn under Jersey 101.5. Hi, Tom. Hey, how you doing? Good. How about um, you? Good, good, good. I was a police officer here in New York for 21 years. My, uh, thank and you and my sympathies. Thank you. You can get a summons for going through that gas station to avoid the red light. There is no excuse. You know, if you get the gas and you come back out the same way you went in, mm -hmm. that's fine. But if you're going to the mall after that, you're getting a summons. So wait a minute. If I so if I'm in the line and now I see I'm on say like I'm, I'm approaching the light, I go in the gas and I get the gas. I come back out in the same spot and get in line. I'm okay. But if I go in and I get the gas and I come out the other side, beating the light. Okay. That's a summons. Mall, right. You're beating the light. That's what you're doing. You're beating the light. Maybe you don't even need gas. Maybe you're getting $2 worth of gas, but you don't want to wait there for 20 minutes. Right. You get a summons for it. I've given out summonses for it only because it's at my discretion. Right. If the person's a nasty person, he's going to get a summons. If he's cordial and has a good excuse and everything else, he goes home. Because you know? you're a good guy. Now, as far as public property, right. here in New York, you can get a summons for blocking your own driveway. If you have a driveway that goes like on, alongside of your house, mm -hmm. backyard, you can get a summons because if the fire department has to come to your home to put out a fire, they can't go to the backyard because the car is blocking them. It's a, it's a, it's a law on the books. It's not enforced, but it's on the books. Like really? so many other laws that aren't. So that'd be the same thing like if you have a, right, so if you have a girl, you want to park your car. You can't park anywhere in the city. But you have a driveway and you want to park in your own driveway, that that could be a problem. That could be a yep. ticket. You could get a summons. Yep. All right. What, what about the old days when you would put the garbage can out to save you space in the snow? That's a, that's you know all. What? 
over here in Marine Park, they do that still. Of course they, they do the that. Cones, they put the garbage pails, they put their <laughs> grandmother what, there. That's what and started, their mother-in-law. That's what got the guy killed in Bronx still, right? <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. All right, 1-800-283-101.5. We got Vince, we got Bill. In New Jersey, if you're coming up on a light and it's really, really crowded, so you pull into the gas station to avoid the light, and uh, with the excuse that I was going to get gas, and then you go past the pump and you see how much the gas is, you pull out on the other side. Can you get a ticket? Are you ready to downsize? Want to sell your home fast? Robert Dekansky of Remax First Advantage is buyers lined up to get your home sold fast and for more money than you thought possible. After Suzanne's husband died, she decided to sell her mountainside home. With the help of Rob and his team and their top-tier marketing strategies, she had 51 showings, multiple offers in just 11 days, selling the home at $500,000, which was $25,000 over the list price, enabling Suzanne to move on. Robert Dekansky of Remax at first advantage has superior marketing to sell your home for the highest price possible. So call the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Call Robert Tukansky at 855-350-1015. That's 855-350-1015. Or online at robsellsnj.com. Or Google RobSellsNJ. And then you start back. This summer, take a shortcation, New Jersey 101.5, giving you a free Jersey shortcation to the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. This is the last week to listen at 9 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. for our secret code word. Enter it on a New Jersey 101.5 app to win your Jersey shortcation. There's three winners every day this week, thanks to our sponsor, Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. Book your summer escape today at HardRockHotelAtlanticCity.com. This is the last week you can win a free shortcation. Good luck from New Jersey. 101.5. So, question is, you're coming up to a light, and you see it's really, really crowded in front of the light. It could take you forever at that light. Or you could cut into the gas station. If you cut into the gas station, you go on the other side and you beat the light. So you pull in with the excuse of, uh, uh, should you get pulled over, uh, you know, I'm going to buy gas. And then you see the price of the gas, and you decide, I'm not going to pay that for the gas, and you pull out the other end. Can you get a ticket? And take away the gas excuse. Can you just cut through the parking lot? 1-800-283-101.5. We have a listener saying yes. We have a lawyer saying no. Has this ever happened to you? Bill is in Lakewood, New Jersey, 101.5. Hi, Bill. How you doing, Steve? Good. How are you? Um, You know, not getting to the the gas station question, but the... uh, Everybody seems to be under the impression that you can't get a ticket on private property. Can you? I live in a homeowners association in a gated community. Our trustees give the police permission to come through our gates and enforce all New Jersey state motor vehicles. But they have to be given permission. Correct. But this also applies to the uh, the big malls like Monmouth Mall, North Brunswick Mall. When that guy said that he got two tickets for going through a stop sign, it was probably be because that uh, police department had permission to be on that property. So they can only do it with permission. Correct. All right. I don't know. I'm, I'm going. I'm just going by what you say. All right. So now, what about no, the idea of cutting through the light? I say because it, it happened in court. You know, when I got the ticket, a careless driving ticket right. at Peddler's Village in Wall Township, and I pleaded not guilty, went to court, and that's when all this came up. 
All right, so now, they had permission to be on the property at Pedler's Village. So, but the, yeah, because the permission wouldn't have come into play had it not had to come into play. All right, Vince is in Red Bank on New Jersey 101.5. Hi, Vince. Steve, how are you? So I, I had a situation where I actually cut through a gas station, which was adjacent to a shopping, you know, uh, plaza. And went out the other way, kind of on an angle. Right. And pulled over and got a ticket. Did you fight the ticket? No, I, I just paid it because, I mean, clearly, you know, I cut through. Now, I didn't stop to get gas, nor did I stop to go into the to the store. So, did you offer up any kind of excuse or anything? Or were you just uh, like, ah, you got me? I was a 17-year-old kid coming back from uh, a, a summer uh, gathering in Manasquan, so you had no shot. I wasn't really focused on yeah. you know, trying to get out of anything, but I, I and I'm not associated with with law enforcement whatsoever. But I, I do feel like with the private property, like a mall, for example, right? I would think they they are able to enforce only because you're dealing with people, the public. So if you're driving radically, I don't see why you know they wouldn't be able to give you a ticket. But you own private so, property, right? But if you're but if public. If it's open to the public, you know, who's going to enforce the laws there? You know what I mean? They have to have their own security. I mean. Possibly, but I don't know if they have the ability to write tickets. Well, see, this this is a very good question because, like, uh, remember, Great Adventure security. So if you're driving around Great Adventure, right, it's up to Great Adventure security. And I'm not sure, like, because I worked five years at Great Adventure when I was a kid. And I always questioned that. Like, you know, uh, are they real cops? But they, they had real cars. They had, you know, they had, they had security cars, and they could. I've been chased around their parking lot by security when I was seventeen. So, yes, yeah, private property, right? Because if you know, they could actually it's detain you. Private property. They, maybe they could hold you till the cops get there. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, just like in a mall. If you, yeah, if you were to involve yourself in a in a theft, they can actually hold you until police arrive. If you, you know, that's you what would have to happen. All right, Vince, thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. Ken, hang on. Want to be in the know 24-7? You've got mail. Get our New Jersey 101.5 email newsletter. We've got today's top stories. Chief meteorologist Dan Zero posts his statewide forecast, and you'll get the latest from our hosts. Visit nj1015.com to sign up. Be in the know with the New Jersey 101.5 newsletter today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve is talking to you. Because that's what we do. Monday through Thursday from uh, 7 to 11. Ray Dittinger is coming on at 9. Tommy and me is the play. It's great. And uh, Ray's a great guy. And uh, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets. I want the best story of uh, did you ever get to meet your favorite athlete? Who did you grow up idolizing? Who was your favorite athlete growing up? Did you ever get to meet him? We're going to give you the best story in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll give away tickets. See Tommy and me at the Bucks County Playhouse. It's a great play. And Gordon Clapp, who's in NYPD Blue for, like, the entire run, he plays Tommy McDonald. Uh... And the actor who plays Ray is also from New Jersey, so do stick around for that. Right now, though, this uh, this came up. Uh, if you're coming to a streetlight, a red light, and you see a you know you see a cluster F of traffic in front of it, you know you're going to wait forever at that light. 
and you cut into a gas station to avoid that light, cut through the parking lot, come out the other side, can you get a ticket? Now, if you were to need an explanation for said police officer, should you get a ticket, uh, and you said, you know what, I wanted to pull over, I was going to pull in and get some gas, I saw the gas prices were too high, I decided not to do it. Or I was going to pull into the 7-Eleven or the Wawa, and then I realized I didn't have any money, so I just went down. Uh, whatever the excuse is, is there an excuse? Can you get pulled over? And as far as uh, the fact that, you know, and the argument was made by a caller, David, who called in, said, you know, the cops can't give you a ticket on private property. And then people were calling in saying, well, they can if the owner of the property says it's okay. So where is all this? There's a lawyer saying that you can't do it. You just cannot avoid the light by cutting through the parking lot. Where are you on this? Has this ever happened to you? 1-800-283-101.5. Ken is in Runnymede on New Jersey 101.5. Ken, thanks for waiting. Hi. Retired police officer. Uh, Yeah, you can get a ticket for avoiding a traffic traffic signal. And it doesn't have to be the private property issue because they're ticketing you when you leave the main highway to go on the private property and when you leave the private property to return back onto the main highway. It really has nothing to do with the private property except you're using that conveyance to avoid the signal. So then you have to get the guy when he pulls out of the gas station on the other side, you get him on the street at that point or you can still ticket him at the on the private property of the gas station? You can follow him and, and, and ticket him as soon as he leaves. So you have to wait for him to leave. The, so he pulls in. And let me ask you this. So let's say, let's say he's legitimate. He pulls in. He realizes he has no gas. So he pulls in, gets gas. At the end of the fill, he now pulls out on the other side. And you're waiting in the street to ticket him? Or do you just pull behind him while he's well, getting that's the gas? That's illegal because he, he used the services of the vendor or of the private property. It's when you're cutting across deliberately to avoid the traffic signal is what gets you in trouble. All right, let me ask you this. He pulls in, he pulls in, he's going to get gas, but he realizes that the gas is ridiculously high, so he changes his mind and pulls out the other side. Well, like anything else, if the individual tells the officer that, the officer does have what's called officer's discretion. And he can say, eh, yeah, okay, we'll let it go at this time, or I'll buy it. You you probably did do what you, you said you did. But, you know, everything goes by mannerism and how you approach things. Yes. If you break bad with an officer, expect the officer to break bad with you. And I'm going to be honest saying that because their job is hard enough as it is. Sure. They don't need a bunch of Weisheimers out there, you know, playing the game. One other thing is uh, signage that's on private property. Right. If it's not registered with the DOT, it is not a legal sign. Therefore, you're not responsible for it. So say you park in a handicapped spot right. and it's not registered. Uh, yeah, you got to do your work and do your due diligence and make sure that sign's registered with the DOJ. Or, uh, I'm sorry, the DOT. But uh, if it's registered with the DOT, you're going to lose it. But if it's not, you can win that. So if you, let's say like that guy earlier, right, you're driving through the mall 
and it's Sunday morning, there's nobody there, you're running stop signs. Can you get a ticket for running stop stop signs signs in the mall parking lot? Yes, you can, because they obviously are going to have a agreement with the police department for the police department to be able to police their property. Unless these stop signs were put up without being registered by the DOT. Okay. If the Department of Transportation doesn't have a registered sign there, then it's not legal, and they really can't enforce it. But that's something you're going to have to do before you go to court. Either way, you'll probably get the ticket, and you'll have to go to court to fight it. Like everything else, you got to be do. You got to have due uh, diligence. Yeah. In, uh, deciding what you're going to fight and what you're not, because there's just sometimes you're not going to win. And you also have to remember, think about the what... judge is allowed to do whatever he wants to do right. in court. And whether he... the sign is legal or not, if he feels offended by it, he's going to he's going to bang you for it. You have to have your story ready before you do anything. Exactly. To, you know. Yeah. Exactly. And, and like I said. Your attitude means a lot. It truly does because they, they don't want to be out there and they especially don't want to be out in the rain right? tickets. Exactly. And you know what? Yeah, why, would you, why would you treat a cop badly? How long did you do it? Uh, a little over 20 years, two different departments, oh. um, part-time and full-time. But the, the point is, is why would you? But then again, you got people that aren't brought up with manners and respect anymore. You know, I was taught to give clergy all respect, whether it was my faith or not. Same thing with officers, lawyers, doctors. But, you know, there are people out there nowadays, they, it's all about them. Well, thank you for your service. And thank you for calling because, you know, you cleared a lot. Okay. I appreciate it, and I appreciate everybody that goes out there and does what they're supposed to. Remember, if you're willing to break a little law, each time you break the law, it can get bigger and bigger. In other words, it's one thing to run a stop sign. It's another thing to run 90 miles an hour through a school zone. No, you're right. Ken, thanks. I'm sorry. Thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. So 1-800-283-101.5. Have you ever gotten a ticket uh, for cutting through a parking lot? And uh, what did it cost you? Were you able to make a deal? Here's something else, too, which I was going to talk about tonight. Uh, this whole idea of the click-to-the-ticket seatbelt thing. You know, that's going on right now in New Jersey. It's going to start this Memorial Day weekend. How do you feel about the seatbelt ticket blitzes? Do you wear a seatbelt? And do you wear the seatbelt, you know, because you're afraid of getting the ticket? Or do you wear the seatbelt because it makes you feel safer? Or do you not want to wear the seatbelt at all? Should you be told you have to wear a seatbelt? I wear the seatbelt. I hate the idea that my car forces me to wear the seatbelt. I hate the fact that my car wants to annoy me with a noise if I don't wear my seatbelt. I hate the fact that my state that I pay so much money in taxes to are actually setting up checkpoints to try to extract more money from taxpayers. Couldn't they do like a bake sale or something? Right? Police officers across New Jersey are going to be extra vigilant over the next two weeks looking for drivers and their passengers who still refuse to wear seatbelts. And again, I wish that could be our decision. Uh, the state's annual crackdown, um, the unbuckled, the great unbuckled, the clicker ticket campaign began Monday morning, runs through June the 1st. 
uh, police from 145 departments that participated in last year's crackdown issued 8,373 seatbelt citations, wrote 3,115 speeding summonses, made 278 impaired driving arrests. Uh, the fine for a seatbelt violation can be up to $46. So uh, how do you feel about the tic- click it or ticket campaign? You know, are they really concerned about you? Is it just a money grab? And uh, have you ever gotten a ticket? How do you feel about the idea of being forced to wear your seatbelt? And if you, and I'm not saying I wear one. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear it. How do you feel about it? There are people that like the idea of a seatbelt. There are people that don't like the idea of a seatbelt. I don't like the idea of my car, to, you know, annoying me into it with funny bells and whistles and stuff. And uh, getting a ticket if I choose not to wear one. Where are you? one 800 Spring is finally here. You're back outside doing what you love the most. Is pain holding you back? Don't you want to enjoy life without pain? We need to go to Trinity Rehab. Trinity Rehab can help. Pain or even age is no excuse. Trinity Rehab is unlike any place you've ever tried. No prescription needed. Same-day appointments. Fast results. Trinity Rehab actually fixes the pain instead of masking it. Call Trinity Rehab at 800-518-0977 or go to trinity-rehab.com. Be sure to ask about their EPAT therapy. It's cutting-edge acoustic pressure wave therapy that breaks up scar tissue, enhances healing, frees you from pain fast. In fact, most patients see results in three five-minute sessions, and no prescription is needed to get started. Trinity Rehab has dozens of locations in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, like their newest ones in Woodbridge, Flemington, Toms River, and Wall. So you know there's one near you. For more details, visit trinity-rehab.com. That's trinity-rehab.com. Here's fast traffic. Every 15 minutes on New Jersey 101.5, Steve Trevelisse. We started the show talking about the idea of being able to cut through a parking lot to avoid a red light. Can you get a ticket for it, yes or no? Uh, two schools have thought of that. We've got police calling in saying you can. Uh, you can and you can't. You can and you won't. Uh, you can if you uh, tick off the cop. You won't if you're, uh, you know, you got to really sell your story. You know, a story being, well, you know, and I gave you the story. I cut through the parking lot to get gas. When I realized how much they wanted for the gas, I changed my mind. Or I cut through because I was going to stop at the Wawa and get something to eat. Then I realized I didn't have any money on me or whatever. Uh, but have your story ready before you go in. But then again, um, David, who called in earlier, said you can't get a ticket at all. They can't ticket you on private property. And also uh, that he saw it happen and the cop, threw the, uh, the judge threw the case out of court. So that is one thing we were talking about. The other, this whole seatbelt ticket blitz where, you know, the, the state of New Jersey is looking for money. So where do they go? Where do they always go? Right to us. And now the police department's looking for money. And where do they go? Right to us. Um, although, you know, they've got statistics. Does the clicker to ticket campaign, how do you feel about it? Have you ever been caught up in it? Now, right now it's going on. It's going on through June the 4th. So be careful driving. If you want to call and tell me where the setups are, you know, where to be careful, where to be extra careful, 1-800-283-101.5. I know uh, we've been forced to wear seatbelts for a long time. I have no problem wearing seatbelts. I don't like the idea of being told I have to wear seatbelts. The 134 law enforcement agencies uh, listed on NJ.com are receiving $798,350 in grant money this year to pay for the two-week seatbelt crackdown. 
It's an investment. Last year, departments got 892,930 in 2021. Uh, law enforcement agencies uh, shared $810,120. So that's the money they put up in the idea to get you to ticket you for the money that they're getting back. So 1-800-283-101.5. Did you ever get caught up in one of these blitzes? Or did you ever get caught up in a checkpoint? How did it work out? And how do you feel about it? Because, again, like for me, I, you know, I, w- I have no problem doing it if it's of my own volition. But I just, like I said, I, I hate cars that lock themselves when, uh, you know, excuse me, can I, can I decide if I want to lock my own car? Let's talk to uh, Sean in Lincroft on New Jersey 101.5. See how quick we get you on, Sean. Thanks, Luke. What's going on, man? How you, you doing? You got pull in this place, Sean. <laughs> Steve, I got a ticket, the seatbelt ticket, in the shopping plaza in Old Bridge. Uh, about, it's got to be about eight, nine years ago. How do you do I that? Didn't pay, I didn't pay it. Right. I put my sideboard about two months later. Right. I'm at the gas station across the street in Old Bridge. Right. Two cops pull up in front of me and behind me. I had a warrant out for my arrest. Get out. Yep. And they locked me up. The guy was apologizing to me, but he goes, I have to put the cuffs on you. I got to take you to the station. They took me to the station. They fingerprinted me and I had to pay them. I think it ended up being like 200 and something dollars. Oh my God. And this is because you got, you got pulled over in the parking lot. I didn't even realize, again, we talked about the parking lot and private property. You got pulled over in a parking lot for not wearing seatbelts. And they issued yeah, the a warrant for your arrest eventually? Yep, a shopping plaza over in Old Bridge, the, uh, the Coles Shopping Plaza. Oh, man. It was, when I got off Route 9, they uh-huh. were sitting right there in the plaza. So now, like, what was it like when you went to jail? What are you in for? <laughs> Murder? Yeah. No, I just uh, I went seatbelt on, you know. That's the guest ticket. I didn't, um, I didn't, you know, the funny thing, you know, I don't know, there's a table there, right. and then they took handcuffs off me. And then they handcuffed me to the table like I was going to, it was crazy. Did they really think you were going to try to bust out for a seatbelt ticket? They got to do it, I guess. Guy, yeah, the guy told me it doesn't matter. They have to treat everybody the same way. Wow. How did, how were you, how did, how were you feeling as all this was happening? I was pissed. I can imagine. I, I was can pissed. imagine. So how did it end up? You had to just pay the $200 and they let you go? I, yeah, and the guy, the cop ended up driving me back to my car in the gas station. Right. And uh, I, I paid the money, and then I was actually on my way to work. And then I went to work. And now you're a convicted felon. Now you got a criminal <laughs> record. Oh, <laughs> be careful of that, Sean. He's a, he's a seatbelt bandit. Jeffy is in Manalapan. What's up, Jeff? What's up, Steve? How you doing, pal? I'm good. How about you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I got a funny one. Tell me. It was Memorial Day weekend, and I'm driving through English now. Right. And the fire department's there. They got a kiddie pool in the middle of the street by the red light. Right. So I stop. I take my seatbelt off. I throw money in there. Right. I pull away. Now I get onto 522 by the old silver tavern that used to be there. And there's a cop in the middle of the street. I thought they're doing it too. I take my seatbelt off. Right. To grab money. And the cop goes pulling the parking lot. You got no seatbelt on. You're kidding. So he pulled. I swear to God. But then I explained it to him. He left. He's like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> two miles away, it's collecting money. And he, he laughed. He says, all right, get out of here. 
You, you see, you got to be nice to the cop. You know, I'll bet you ninety percent of the tickets can be beaten if you're just nice to the cop. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. 1-800-283-101.5. Steve Trevely. So uh, where are you on the uh, on the seatbelt, the click of the ticket, right? Because uh, 132 towns got grants to crack down to make sure you are buckled up. And if you're not buckled up, it could be like a $46 ticket. Or how many people have used the old seatbelt? To get out of bigger tickets, you know, where like the cops going to bust you for God knows what, you know, officer, I know my seatbelt on because a lot of time that could be like the default. It's like they got to give you a ticket for something. So better you should get the $46 seatbelt ticket than the hundreds of dollars, God knows what you were doing ticket that got you in front of the officer in the first place. 1-800-283-101.5. Do you get the seatbelt ticket? Never gotten a seatbelt ticket. No. Always wear my seatbelt. Always see, like, cause that—that's the default. Like a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if the cop will be like, "Listen, I could write you up for this, but uh, I, I see you're not wearing your seatbelt." But officer, I see you're not wearing your seatbelt. But officer, you're absolutely right. I'm not wearing my seatbelt. Would you like it? Eight thirty. Fifteen minutes under Jersey one hundred one point five. Steve Trevelis. 1-800-283-101.5. Ray Dinninger coming up at 9-10. Tommy and me is the play. Going to be at the Bucks County Playhouse. We'll, we'll get the story from the man, the myth, the legend that is Ray Dinninger. If you're an Eagle fan, you're going to want to stick around. If you're a Giant fan like me, you're going to want to stick around. All right. Uh, click on the ticket. Began this weekend. It's going to run through June 4th. Uh, give me your, give me your stories. Give me your thoughts. 1-800-283-101.5. It's where the police get grants from, uh, the state to go out and get as much money as they can ticketing you. Let's talk to, uh, Peters and Lawrence under Jersey 101.5. Hello, Peter. Hello, Steve. You know, we have a mutual friend, friend named Jim DiLorenzo. We do. Give him my best. I think he's getting me Michael J. Fox and Henry Winkler. And, uh, oh, he, we and, used to uh, call him Yaz at yes. Notre Dame. Oh, really? Okay. He was the equipment manager. He was? Yeah. His, His father owns a hell of a before, pizza place. Before he went to Villanova. Mm-hmm. I went to his father's funeral. Oh. He passed away. So uh still makes it my, incredible. My pizza. story is my mother and father's. Their ticket, click it or ticket. My, if it wasn't for the seatbelt, my mother and father would have not have survived an accident in 2003. Right. They were coming back from Atlantic City, twilight. They were in Hamilton. You know that stretch of road from the diner going all the way down? Right. 206? Right. A deer got in Dad's path. Dad veered. He hid into a ditch. If it wasn't for the seatbelts, my mom would have went right through the windshield. She would have been dead. Right. But she lived another 20, 20 years. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not about the seatbelt. It's about should you no, be forced to think, wear one. You know, you know how you were raised? Our generation was raised without the seatbelt. Right. And it took a while for mom and dad to get used to putting their seatbelts on. And in those grand marquees, you know, you wouldn't really wear your uh, seatbelt. Right. 
But that occasion, they wore the seatbelt, and it saved their life. And the, when the police officer called me from Hamilton, because I had to come pick them up at the diner, he said, you were lucky this time, or you would be planning a funeral for your mom and dad. All right. Thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. Donna's in Bridgewater on New Jersey 101.5. Hey, Donna. Hey, Steve. How you doing? So I don't understand. It's the law. So shouldn't it be enforced all the time? They're calling it grant money. What it is is overtime for those towns, whoever participates. Those cops get overtime pay to sit around and wait for people going by without seatbelts. Well, I don't know if it's overtime. It's an investment. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They get paid because they put more cops out. Right. On the road. But did they do it in overtime, like time and a half, or did they just put more cops out? Lower cops, longer hours? Well, yeah. They're they're there. The the guys Mm -hmm. who might not be working that day will work that day because they get overtime. They all get to make more money. For sure. Yeah. Right. It's that way with that. And even those, those checkpoints with the troopers. They're they're there for a special job. Right. You know, there's a guy on the road when PSE&G is fixing something. Right. He's getting $85 minimum an hour <laughs> to sit. To sit. I know. Tough so, job, right? This is what I'm saying. And I appreciate police. I never give them a hard time. Right. But they call it a grant so people don't freak out. But if you need extra money to do the job you were hired for... This is not armed robbery. It's seatbelt. You really no, not it's, putting your life at risk. It's an investment. They get seven hundred ninety-eight thousand three hundred fifty dollars in grant money. So the idea is, we're going to spend this money, hoping that you're going to write out this many tickets that we make back that money, as well as all this other money. That's the you idea. No, they don't get all of it. Well, they, they probably get. They probably get the more. Doesn't get it. But whatever they're, whatever they're, if they're, whatever they're putting out, right? If they get this money, you know, this, uh, this seven hundred, this eight hundred thousand in grant money. Well, if you're writing a million dollars worth of tickets, you're profiting. They're not doing this to waste money. They're certainly not doing it because they're worried about your health and well-being. Maria's in Westfield under Jersey. Well, sure they are. Maria's in Westfield under Jersey one hundred one point five. Hi, Maria. Hi. How are you? Good. How about you? Good. Interesting subject. What are you thinking? Um, I uh, it was uh, September first, and I was uh, working a party. Um, and uh, when we, I think it by time we cleaned up and left, it must have been between one and one thirty in the morning. Right. It was a Thursday evening in the middle of the week, and um, got out to the parking lot, and there was an officer in the in the parking lot, so. Um, you know, his private property. Right. And um, I said, Do you know, there's a, a police officer in your in the parking lot. And uh, my boss said, uh, yes, sometimes he likes to sit there and they like to sit there and shoot radar at the car- cars going by. I'm like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. So I, got my, I got in my car and I, I forgot about it. <laughs> well, I pulled out of the parking lot and he pulled out after me. Um, but I really didn't think anything of it because I was just working all night, right? So, uh, 
so then he's following, following, following. And then I realized, well, maybe it's a shift change. It's kind of like that time. Right. Um, but we passed the police station. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> row. At He followed me 3.6 miles. Wow. 3.6 miles. And I was one block from my house. And, um, oh, that's it was, torture. I was in a res, it's all residential area, just like one street after another street after another street. Right. And going downhill. And it was a stop, it was a stop sign. Uh, but there was hedges on one side right. and very, very tall trees on the other. So I stopped, and you know, so now you're, you know, you're extra, extra careful. Right. And, uh, I stopped to a complete stop, you know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, that kind of thing. Right. And then I pulled forward, and the lights went on. And, oh, uh, <laughs> that's the like, torture. He follows and follows, and you're like, "Do it already! Do it already!" I give up. But I was like, "You, you have to be kidding me! What could you have possibly pulled me over for?" And he's like, "The front wheels of your car were over the stop line." Oh my god! How did he see it? He was behind you. I guess his lights. I don't know. Uh, wow. I, I, so what happened? I fought, it, I fought it myself, and uh, they didn't like that. I asked for the extract, and I um, I fought it myself. I proved, you know, like it, uh, that I was innocent by taking pictures and and drawing the intersection and by the uh, you know the. The axle, the distance, the eight feet axle width between axle to axle. Right. That it's really not about the exact stop line. I think it's about the crosswalk. You right. can't, you have to be a certain distance from the crosswalk. Uh-huh. Um, so I sort of like, you know, had this case, built this whole case for me. And um, they, I angered, I angered the judge. Did you win? Uh, he made me get a lawyer. He made me get a lawyer, uh, and what happened is they made me take a defensive driving course, and um, then I then I was let go. All right. Thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. New Jersey 101.5. Steve Trevelisse. So, click uh, the ticket campaign. Uh, lots of grant money being given out to lots of police departments to write lots and lots of tickets for you not wearing your seatbelt. Has it ever happened to you? 1-800-283-101.5. How do you feel about the idea of extra cops being put on to make sure that you are wearing your seatbelt? Uh, have you ever been uh, caught in the trap? Have you ever been caught in a campaign? Have you ever uh, gotten out of another ticket by copying to the I didn't wear my seatbelt ticket? Mark is in Bristol on New Jersey 101.5. Hey, Mark. Well, how about that? This is my first time here at my station. Oh, and I'm Bristol, by the way. That could be Tennessee. There's a bunch of Bristols all over the place. But the one one that anybody would think of is Bristol, England. Well, this is where the stomp was invented. So did you ever stomp in Bristol? Say again? Did you ever, you know, the Bristol stomp, right? It's the famous dance. Did you do the Bristol stomp? Right. Did you ever do the Bristol stomp? Never did. You never Bristol stomped? Well, you know why? I what? thought, oh, they're girls. <laughs> oh, she went, oh, she didn't want to. I was over in a place called Garfield Park East School 
in Willingboro, New Jersey. You went to Garfield Park East School in Willingboro, New Jersey? No, no, that's where I taught. Oh, so you taught. What did you teach? Was, Don't say dancing. What did you teach? Physiology, pathology, and human sexuality to seventh graders. You taught human sexuality? Imagine what that would be like today, the things you'd be telling those and kids. And you do it. And his name was Dr. Peter J. Romanoli. Uh-huh. I don't know if he's still around, but uh, let me tell you, you're talking about the the forces of a, a crash. You're going to continue traveling at the same speed until you're stopped by something else. Oh, I'm not against wearing seatbelts no, 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 at all. To me. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I put those, the seatbelt in this 1948 Chrysler. Right. They shouldn't come like that in those days. They didn't have a shoulder belt, anything like that, real safe. That's super safe. Yeah. Uh, today's today's car. This was a this was a lap belt only, and I installed it myself. It was only in the front seat. Right. Uh, it was very rarely somebody in the back seat anyway. And oh my gosh, you're talking about this. You're just going to continue traveling. Until you hit something, your body, that is. All right, Mark, thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5. In three minutes of my life, we're never going to get back. <laughs> All right, 1-800-283-101.5. And basically, like I said, my thing with the whole thing is, uh, it's like we need money. So let's try to let's try to take it to taxpayers. Let's try to, you know, get it from uh, more stops. It's It's an investment. You know, some people do bake sales. You know, uh, high school football teams, they uh, they wash cars in the parking lot and they sell plants and uh, they do mailings and all that. I know that now because my kids play football. Uh, and the cops, they do uh, clicker to ticket, you know, and it's Memorial Day. So be careful if you're out there driving because they're going to be out there till June the 4th. Uh, Go to nj1015.com. We got some good stuff on nj1015.com. Uh, go to the Steve Trevelis page. And, uh, some of the things, uh, some of the things you're gonna like. Like, uh, you wanna find the cheap date in New Jersey? You know, right now dating has gotten out of control because, uh, we're not really sure. You're not really sure where it's gonna go. And with the cost of inflation, you don't wanna spend a lot of money to find out. Fortunately, New Jersey has a lot of places that you don't have to spend a lot of money to find out. And uh, we got those places on nj1015.com. And then the other thing, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Meatball Mark, we call him, Mark Pika, Pika's Picks. He has a great Facebook page. And when it comes to meet the balls, Mark knows where they are. And uh, I threw up a thing on Facebook. Uh, I do a lot of crowdsourcing. I, I ask your opinion because I trust you. I'd rather trust you than some paid food critic. So uh, I basically say, you know, where are the best food trucks in New Jersey? And I did that because Gemini, uh, who's in here every Wednesday night handling the New Jersey category on Trevia, was doing a, a food truck festival. So I say, listen, take some pictures of the food trucks. Get me some names. We'll do a nice piece for the radio station. Oh, yeah, I got it. And we got one freaking picture. But that's all right. So I went on and I go on Facebook and I say, you know, where are the best food trucks? And Meatball Mark finds for me, your sister's balls. <laughs> we got the story. <laughs> we got the story of your sister's balls on the Steve Trevelis page at New Jersey 101.5 at NJ1015.com. Now, listen, coming up, 
Uh, Tommy and Me is a great play at the Bucks County Playhouse. It's a story of Ray Dittinger and Tommy McDonald, who was his childhood idol. Ray uh, is so inspired by Tommy McDonald, he becomes a sports writer. And what does he do? He makes the Hall of Fame. And he gets Tommy McDonald into the Hall of Fame. And the whole story is coming up. I want to hear the story of you and your favorite athlete growing up. Did you ever get to meet him? Uh, the best story is going to get tickets to see the play. And Ray's going to be talking about it on the other side. So stick around. Sign up today for New Jersey 101.5 App Alerts. Get instantly notified about breaking news, weather emergencies, and traffic delays. Download or open our free app and click on Alerts. Whatever gets you through the night. All right, all right. Oh, so cool. I hung out with May Pang yesterday in New Hope, Pennsylvania. She was uh, signing John Lennon pictures at an art gallery. And uh, when you name your son Lennon and you get to hang out with the girl that Lennon spent 18 months with and you get to hear every John Lennon story you ever could dream of asking, that's a great day. What's going to be a great night is at the Bucks County Playhouse. They're launching their season with a newly produced production of Tommy and Me. Now through June 17th, Tommy and Me is the story of 10-year-old boy named Ray Dininger who grows up idolizing Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Tommy McDonald who played for the team from 1957 when he was drafted to 1964. The relationship inspires Ray to become an NFL writer, radio and TV analyst, the best in the city of Philadelphia, eventually gets him in the NFL Hall of Fame as part of the writer's honor roll, and he would successfully make the pitch to get Tommy in as well. Ray Dittinger is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet in Philadelphia sports. It's been my pleasure to work with him uh, since 2003, and he joins us now. Ray, how are you? Very well, Trev. How are you doing? I'm good. Did you write this play on a yellow legal pad? <laughs> <laughs> I know you are with technology. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, you know that's not. You know, you're you're actually pretty close. Um, I did the first. Uh, I did the first draft of it. Uh, the the outline and the first draft of it on the yellow legal tablet. And then once I once I really kind of had a beginning and a middle and an end, and I knew where I was going with it. Then I went over to the computer. But, <laughs> Like all, like like all, like all things, yeah. Uh-huh. In my life, it started on the yellow tablet. <laughs> Tell us the story of Tommy and me. This is a great play. Yeah, it's uh, it's great story, Trev. I mean, that's um, that that's the, that's really kind of the long and the short of it. I, um, you know, I was a ten year old kid um, and uh, a huge Eagles fan. Right. Uh, and my parents were big fans as well. And we used to go to Eagles training camp every summer. Uh, that was uh, that was Dad's summer vacation, and we would drive up. Training camp was then at Hershey, and we would drive up to Hershey. We would spend two weeks just going out and watching them practice every day. That was, you know, it was no Jersey Shore, no Poconos, none of that. It was just, you know, up up to up the turnpike to Hershey to watch the Eagles practice. We would spend our two weeks there and go to every practice. And McDonald was Tommy McDonald was my favorite player. And I, um, you know, and I was just a typical 10-year-old kid standing outside the locker room door with my autograph book waiting for him to come out. And, you know, training camp back then was a whole different sort of setup. I mean, now there's all kinds of fences and barricades and security guards and all that. So back then, I mean, you, there was none of that. I mean, hardly anybody went to training camp, hardly anybody went to practice. So, 
if you're a 10 year old kid with an autograph book, you can literally stand at the locker room door and wait for your favorite guy to come out. So that's what I did. And Tommy came out and I asked for his autograph and he was really nice. And then we struck up a conversation and that conversation became a friendship <laughs> and it continued and it continued on for 40 years and wound up in the hall of fame. How about that? And did he, he inspired you to become a writer? Did you want to be a wide receiver first? Did you run around catching passes screaming, Tommy McDonald? <laughs> <laughs> of course we all did. Right. In those days, in those days, every kid wanted to be Tommy McDonald because he looked like all of us. I mean, that's, that's the, thing i mean i remember when he i remember the first time he came out the door uh and and i'm 10 years old and i'm looking at him and i'm thinking he's not much bigger than i am <laughs> uh, and that's really true and and he looked and the thing was he was little he was only five nine and 170 pounds um but he also he looked like he was 12 years old i mean he um and uh he was just you know we all admired all of a player. I mean, you admired Bednarik, you admired Van Brocklin, you admired them for their greatness. But as a kid, you couldn't identify with them. They were they were grown men. Um, Tommy looked like us. You know, Tommy looked like the kids in the schoolyard at recess. I mean, he. Uh, but yet he was out there playing with the big boys and you know and, and helping the Eagles win a championship. So as a kid, you just you related to him on a on a much more personal level. I, I sure did. And. Um, and the, and the question that you asked is a good one. I mean, did that have anything to do with the career that I pursued? And it really did. I mean, I, you know, the way Tommy treated me and the way he befriended me, um, he really kind of brought me into the world of pro football. And he made me feel he made me feel that it was real to me. And I really felt like, you know, hey, you know what? I, I you know, I kind of know this business. I kind of feel like I belong in this business. And it kind of gave me the confidence to pursue it. And Gordon Clapp uh, from NYPD Blue, twelve years was in every ep- in every season, and he plays Tommy McDonald, and he was a huge Tommy McDonald fan, even though he lived in New England. So you guys, first of all, did that have anything to do with the casting? And uh, you guys must have a lot of fun just telling Tommy McDonald stories. How much has he learned from you? How much have you learned from him? Um, it's well, you're right, and that you know we when. It was that had nothing to do with offering the the part. I mean, they when we were trying to figure out who they wanted to play Tommy, um, you know, they said, well, first of all, if you're looking for an actor to play Tommy McDonald, you have to start with the fact that he has to be small. Right. You know, you can't you can't you can't hire somebody that's six feet two to play Tommy McDonald. You need to, you need to find you need to find somebody who's five eight or thereabouts. And there aren't that many actors that are that small. Um, so they knew that they knew that Gordon Clapp was 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 a very fine actor. Obviously, you mentioned twelve seasons on NYPD Blue, won a won an Emmy Award for that. He was nominated for a Tony for Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. I mean, he's been very successful in movies, TV, and on the stage. So they said, you know, Gordon Clapp, he's the right size. You know, we'll send him the script and we'll see what he says. He's really busy. He's got a lot of projects going on. He was at that point. He was touring the country doing a one man Robert Frost show. Wow. Uh, so they so they sent him the script, uh, and like the next day, he called them back and said, "I want to do this." Um, and uh, and I found, you know, and I I, had, I didn't realize why, but then when he joined us uh, to start rehearsals, he said to me, he said, "I was a, I was a huge Tommy McDonald." Fan. How about that? Um, and he said it was. He said, "I'm not from Philly," and he said, "I wasn't really an Eagles fan." He said, "But you know, I was the littlest kid in my neighborhood." You know, and I, I wanted to play football with the big guys. And when I watched football on TV, the guy that I idolized was Tommy McDonald because he was doing the same thing. So, you know, we came to this, we, you know, he and I came to this story in much the same way as, uh, you know, doing a piece about our childhood hero. It just so happened it was the same hero.
Was it hard for you bearing your soul in this play? We really get an inside look at you. Yeah, I know. Um, and and a lot of it comes through the, the character that I create, who is the ten-year-old me. Right. You know, there were there were two of me's wandering around on that stage. There's the adult me, and then there's the ten-year-old me. Uh, and the the two the two kind of walk through this story together. And what's what's kind of funny about it, and what gets some really gets some of the biggest laughs in the play, is is the ten-year-old Ray, you know. Given you know, given a lot of talk back to the big guy, because you know the older Ray is kind of where I am now, which is you know the objective reporter, the right. serious, sober journalist. You know, no cheering in the press box. Keep everything on. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's you. Objective, and you know, and the ten-year-old me is walking alongside me, and he can't, he doesn't get this at all. Uh-huh. You know, what do you mean you're going to go to the Eagles game at Franklin Field, but you're not going to cheer? I mean, how, you have, that doesn't make any sense. So. So that whole the, the 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 ideal the ideal the idealist rooting ten year old boy walking alongside the the sober somber straight arrow forty year old journalist and the difference between the two of them even though they're the same person the difference between the two of them and the you know the conflict between the two of them is really is re- it's really it's really one of one of the one of the funnier little subplots of the play and i i can tell you that the 10 year old me gets the, gets the biggest laugh in the play it's, it's really very funny <laughs> what was it like real live ray when you made the pitch you know after seeing this play and writing it you know what was it like when you made the pitch to get Tommy McDonald in the Hall of Fame feeling the way you do what was going through your mind was this like the pitch of your life oh yes absolutely absolutely because i knew that i knew from my conversations with Tommy over the years what this meant to him uh i mean he had really accomplished everything you could possibly accomplish in football to that point i mean he had been he was an all-american player in oklahoma uh, won two national championships, played his whole college career and never lost a game. Imagine that, 31-0. and 0. Comes to the NFL, you know, is a six-time All-Pro, helps the Eagles win a championship, you know, retires with the second most touchdowns of any receiver in NFL history. Uh, I mean, he had really, he had truly accomplished everything he could accomplish, but he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. And that, that's a, that was the one thing he really wanted, and that was the one thing he was denied. So when I became a member of the Hall of Fame voting committee, um, as the Philadelphia voter, when Tommy finally made the ballot, um, you know, I was the guy that had to get up and give and give the pitch for him in the room with the 31 other voters wow. and make the make the pitch to, you know, to make the case to get Tommy in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, here you are. I mean, you would have felt a big responsibility anyway if it was just a player from your city. But the fact that it was you're also your boyhood hero and you knew what this meant to him. Um, oh, it was tremendous pressure and, and just an absolute, well, I'm giving away a little bit of the story, but not much, um, that, that, uh, that he didn't make it. You know, I, I made my, I made my pitch. I thought it was a good one. I sat down and I felt pretty good about his chances. Right. And then the votes were cast and he didn't make it. And I, I felt, I, I mean, it just, Trev, it just broke my heart because I felt, I felt responsible. I felt like I, I, I single-handedly had let him down and denied him the thing that he had always wanted. And it took, you know, it took another 10 years before he finally got on the ballot and he finally got in in 1998. But I will tell you that that, that, that moment when they, can't, when they announced the class and he wasn't in it was a heartbreaker for me because, 
you know, who wants to disappoint their boyhood hero for something for something that you knew was meant so much to him? That was one of the that was one of the most bitter disappointments of my life. But we finally, you know, we finally got to celebrate in 98 when he went in and he asked me to be his presenter. It's breaking my broke my heart to hear the beginning happy at the ending. And Tommy got to see the play. How did that feel like for you? How did he like it? Tremendous, and that's that's one of the great that's that that's one of the great joys of the whole experience. Trev is that um, is that he lived to see it. Uh, we did we did the play we did the play for the first time in 2016. We've been doing it's been around that long, which it kind of amazes me still. Uh, but we did it in 2016, uh, and he came to the first matinee. It was a Saturday matinee, and he came with Patty, his wife, with the four kids, with all the grandchildren. Uh, they filled a whole row in the theater, uh, and um, and he just loved it. I mean, he 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 was so excited. I mean, he just had the smile on his face the whole time. Uh, it was really funny. I was sitting sort of behind and in the back, and I just, you know, I, I wasn't <laughs> even watching the play. I was just watching him watch the play, and, and to see him... You know, he was sitting between his son and his daughter, and to see him during the play, like nudging his son and like pointing at the stage, and like you can almost see him saying, "Yeah, that's right. That yeah, that, yeah, that's it. I remember that." <laughs> um, it was it was great, and you know, and after the after the play was over, um, and the people, I introduced him from the stage. I introduced Tommy, and he got, an, of course, a huge ovation. Uh, and after and after it was over, I mean, everybody just swarmed him and wanted his autograph, and they wanted pictures, and you know, they wanted to tell stories about. I remember the day you did this, and I remember the day. And he so he stayed around for a good hour after the play was over, just talking to everybody and just having the greatest time and um you know when when he was leaving i walked him to his car and i always remember as he was getting in the car he said thanks he said he said he said you let me be tommy mcdonald again which which i thought was and i understood because you know he was in his 80s and he didn't get out of the house much right and he his health wasn't the best uh but to come back and for that one for that one day to kind of i understood what he meant you let me be tommy mcdonald again and it meant the world to him well, the name of the play, Tommy and Me, and it's going to be running at the Bucks County Playhouse through June 17th. Ray Didinger, thanks so much for coming on. It was a real pleasure, Trev. It was great talking to you again. Take care of yourself. You got it, my friend. Best of luck. What a great play. What a great play. I highly recommend going to see it. Here's Fast Trap weather every 15 minutes. On New Jersey 101.5, take a shortcation. New Jersey 101.5, giving you a free Jersey shortcation to the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. This is the last week to listen at 9 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. For our secret code word, enter it on a New Jersey 101.5 app to win your Jersey shortcation. There's three winners every day this week. Thanks to our sponsor, Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. Book your summer escape today at HardRockHotelAtlanticCity.com. This is the last week you can win a free shortcation. Good luck from New Jersey 101.5. Did you hear the Ray Didinger interview? Tommy and me. What a great play. Ray's such a great guy. And uh, this is the story of a 10-year-old boy who falls in love with his football hero and uh, inspires him to become a writer and uh, eventually make the pitch that would get him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, not the first time, but eventually he does. So I got tickets to the play. 
And if you heard the interview, you'd want to go to this. It's uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go. I'm going to take my sons, my football-playing boys to go. Uh, I want to hear your story of who was your favorite athlete growing up? Did you ever get to meet him or her? You know, who, who did you idolize growing up? Everybody, every kid has a hero. You know, you got to be a football hero or a baseball hero, basketball, hockey, whoever. Who was your favorite athlete? What was it that made you like them? What made you zone in on them? 1-800-283-101.5. What kind of an influence did they have on your life? Did you ever get to meet them? Is there a story there? Tell me your story and the best story. I'm going to give you a pair of tickets to see Tommy and me at the Bucks County Playhouse. Gordon Clapp is in it, you know, from NYPD Blue. Uh, and well, he's an Emmy Award winner, as Ray said. Uh, so it's going to be a great show. And if you're an Eagles fan, you're going to definitely want to see this. If you're a Giants fan, go anyway. <laughs> you're going to definitely want to see it. Uh, but give me the story. Who is your Who is your favorite athlete? You know, it's it's different now. The relationship between kids and athletes than it was back in the day. Because kids today have so much more accessibility to the athlete. They know more about the athlete. When, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, you knew what you were fed, you know, by the press. You didn't get a lot. The athlete didn't speak. They had public relations, things like that. Today, the athletes are all over their own social media, their own Instagram. They tell you what they want you to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. But who was your favorite athlete growing up? Who was your favorite athlete growing up? My all-time favorite growing up, was, growing up in Ohio, was at the time the Cleveland Browns quarterback Bernie Kosar. I was obsessed with Bernie Kosar. Also, Chris Mullen and uh, Barry Larkin of the Reds. Those are my three. Those are my Chris go-tos. Mullen, the basketball player, yeah, from New York, yeah, because I I had a flat top just like Chris Mullen, so <laughs> I I thought he was so cool. Because uh, he was a great ball player, and of course I love Jordan, but it was mostly Ohio sport teams. So. I, I got to ask you uh, your thoughts on Jim Brown's passing. Uh, that's a tough one to take. I mean, it, it was coming. He was getting up there, and he'd make personal appearances during the season every year. And every time he'd come out, you'd see him just a little, a little slower than before. So it, it's hard to see because he's football. When I look at Jim he Brown, really I think was. of football. And, and so, you know what? I could have talked to Ray for a half hour on Jim Brown. He's got every Jim Brown's. You know, the story about when Jim Brown quit mm. because uh, he was making the, the Dirty Dozen. Yeah. And Art Modell said, you got to come to camp. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm not I'm making a Dirty Dozen. <laughs> well, if, you yeah. don't, if you're not in camp, you're not on the team, well, then I'll retire. Right, exactly. And that eight-year career. They could have gone on so much more. Oh, th- and think about the numbers that he, I mean, I think in the 80s, only Eric Dickerson maybe eclipsed him at that time. or maybe 12,000 Barry yards. 12,000 yards in eight seasons. Yeah. And 14 game seasons too back then. Uh-huh. And those guys, that's when men were men. They <laughs> <laughs> the game. 930. Heather, every 15 minutes on New Jersey 101.5, Steve Trevely. Number to get through is 1-800-283-101.5. Ray Didinger was on. Uh, wrote a great play, Tommy and Me, at the Bucks County Playhouse, now through June 17th. Uh, talking about his... Uh, he got to meet Tommy McDonald, the Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver, back in uh, 1950... 
58 through 64, I think it was, 57 through 64. He was traded to the Dallas Cowboys, but 10-year-old Ray uh, fell in love with him. He was his idol. He got to meet him. He'd go to training camp every year, and he talked to him. And uh, the play is all about Ray uh, and his relationship with Tommy McDonald, who eventually gets into the Hall of Fame. Ray makes the pitch. Ray becomes a sports writer. Uh, it's a great story. And I want to hear, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Did you ever get to meet him? 1-800-283-101.5. I got to meet one of my favorite athletes growing up. As a matter of fact, I got to see this guy score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And then I got to see him come back to the same stadium the following year and score a touchdown in the same spot. And that would be uh, New York Giant legend Stephen Baker. What's up, Stephen? Hey, brother. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I was just driving to meet somebody to sign some memorabilia, and I heard you talking about uh, meeting your childhood heroes, you know, when you were a kid, and uh-huh. I just had to call in. Tell me, tell me. Now, who was your hero growing up? All right. So I grew, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. I love the cowgirls. I mean, cowboys. <laughs> but I was a big Lynn Swan guy, man. The way he jumped up over receiver, our defensive backs. Wow. And those great touchdowns that he made falling down against my Cowboys. And I always dreamed of doing the stuff that he did. And I tried to uh, replicate all his catches, you know, throughout my career. You and did. Finally got a, yes, thank you. <laughs> and I finally got a chance to meet him at a, uh, a golf event. And uh-huh. I was I, he was so gracious. I told him the story and, you know, because he went to USC and I grew up in L.A. And he was just so honored that I said that, man. And I was like, I felt like a little kid again. <laughs> you know what? Now, you remember the catch he made in the Super Bowl, right? Where I forget who he went up over, but he went over the top and just snagged that ball around midfield. You know the one I'm talking about? Oh, no doubt, man. Yeah. And like, and he was bobbling it over him and. I mean, Lynn was the man. And like I said, I tried to replicate my game after him jumping over folks and not waiting for the ball. And you you did. Great. uh, Thank you, man. It was a lot of fun, too. Now, what was it like? Now, you remember, like, you know, when you played for the Giants and you went to training camp and you come out and you see all those kids running up to you with the autograph books and all. How did that make you feel? What was that like for you, Stephen Baker? Well, I got to tell you, I am. I got to say, I'm one of the few guys that I love it now when these kids come up to me with their kids and say, you know what, thank you are the only guy that stayed after and signed autographs. You know, you were by your Corvette, everybody walked by us, but you stood out there. And I honestly did that my whole career. I never let a kid down. And because uh, it was always an honor to be able to do that because I always put myself in their shoes. If I would have saw Drew Pearson or Tony Dorsett or Roger Starback. And if they would have treated me horribly, I would have been, like, just devastated. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you know, that that could devastate a kid for life. And Now, you're a te- you became a teacher, right? So you got to do a lot of work with kids. You get to see it from the other side. Oh, yeah. I was a permanent sub for 15 years at one school, K through fourth, and I was known as the football player. And uh-huh. the kids, every day I was high-fiving kids every day. And it was, I have to say, the best 15 years of my life post-football because 
it was like I was playing again. Uh-huh. And you know what? When you came to the Pizza Bowl in January uh, up at Reds, Guy Matson, it was such a blast. People just were flocking to you. They all wanted to take a picture with you. They want to take a picture with the trophy. There you are, decked out in the jersey. Uh, <laughs> how does it feel like to this day, you were going to be like, you know, you, you're always going to be a Super Bowl champion in this city. Hey, man, sometimes I tell you, I got to pinch, pinch myself and, like, I always say on my tombstone, it's going to say Stephen Baker's touchdown maker, Super Bowl champion. <laughs> and, um, and, and what an honor because, uh, you know, I do a lot of events with Otis Anderson, and we pinch ourselves every Monday when we're driving to go play golf. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Never thought in a million years we would be going to play golf and sometimes getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking it is, right? You're, you're Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker. Was there pressure on you in the Super Bowl that you had to score the touchdown because you were the touchdown maker? Not really, because you know what? That name, it, it just stuck with me from college. And I didn't really, you know, it, it rhymed, and that's what I loved about it. But I didn't really put pressure on myself to score the touchdowns because I knew they would come, you know. And back then, we didn't throw the ball much. So Mark Ingram and myself, whenever they threw it, man, we said, we got to make something happen. That's why you, <laughs> you remember Mark Ingram's run. Oh, my God. <laughs> In, on that final drive. On that drive where he wasn't going down no matter what. No, because he didn't know he was going to get another pass. <laughs> no, man. I, I remember you and I, I um, it was 2000, and I was uh, in Cleveland. And you happened to be in the hotel. And I met you at the bar. We were talking. And I asked you, because we were talking about, because I remember, they said, you know, you caught, I remember the catch you made in 91 against Tampa Bay in the same spot yeah. as the Super Bowl. And uh, I said, you know, does it frustrate you when, you're wide open, and nobody sees it. And you're like, no, because there's a guy upstairs going to see it. He's going to tell him. <laughs> and, and that's such a true statement. And it's, it's hard for players to, you know, get a, a hold of that because, you know, the coaches up there, they see it. And sometimes I point, you know, I point at the field like, look, I'm open and pointing at myself. And guys get a big kick out of it in the film room. And <laughs> look at you, you old selfish, you know. I got to ask, what do you think of the Giants' chances this year? Man, I'm telling you, this whole NFC East is going to be a beast. Y'all beasting up. And we're, um, I like what we did. You know, I like the direction that we're going and the draft picks that we got and what we did in free agency. I can't help but like it. <laughs> well, I heard if they weren't signing a receiver, you're going to go back in there and show them how to do it. So that was just a rumor that was floating around. Oh, well, man, you know what? All they got to do is call. They know where I'm at. I got one good comeback left in me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, thanks for coming back here and calling in, my friend. Good talking to you. We'll talk again soon. All right, Steve. Love you, buddy, and be safe. Got it. Love you, too. Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker. I want to know from you, 1-800-283-101.5. Who was your sports idol growing up? Did you ever get to meet them? And even if you didn't, who was your sports idol growing up? 15 minutes on New Jersey, 101.5. Steve Trevelisse. Number to get through is 1-800-283-101.5. Tommy and me at the Bucks County Playhouse. Ray Didinger wrote it. Story of young Ray Didinger. And uh, he meets Eagles wide receiver Tommy McDonald. Becomes his idol. He's 10 years old, growing up. And uh, he's inspired to become a sports writer. And one day pitched Tommy for the Hall of Fame. Ray gets in the Hall of Fame himself. So I want to know, 1-800-283-101.5, who was your favorite athlete growing up? And uh, also, how about this? Did you ever get to meet your favorite athlete?
the best story is going to get a pair of tickets to see Tommy and me at the Bucks County Playhouse. Now, if you didn't get to meet your favorite athlete growing up, I'll accept that you ever meet an athlete. You know, we've done the thing, have you ever run into a celebrity, you ever met a celebrity? Did you ever meet an athlete? What was it like? 1-800-283-101.5. Robert Klein, the great Robert Klein, who I opened for a few times. I opened for once with Big Daddy Graham. Uh, tells the story of when he met Mickey Mantle. And we actually talked about this in the green room once. We have a priority system which athletes are, for some reason, at the very top. Now, I could accept this when I was eight. I lived a mile from Yankee Stadium. It was Mickey Mantle. Jeez. <laughs> Mickey. Oh, man. I love you. I love you, Mickey. You know, when the Yankees lost the World Series in 1955, my sister very unwisely went, They lost the World Series. <laughs> uh, when they got me off her throat some ten minutes later, it was then my father said, What the Yankees ever do for you? It sobered me, you know, a little bit. You know, I'm 31 now. I have other priorities. I've, you know, Mickey is not that well-rounded. Great, I, I like great ball play, but he's not the complete a person. I saw him in that brute commercial. There's not too much happening up here in the old head. And I'm like, I'm sorry. He had three words to say. I like brute. He had to take one word at a time. I cut Mickey great. Um, all right, now that was done before Mickey died, of course. That was Mickey Man. That was Robert Klein in the 70s uh, talking about Mickey Mantle. Uh, but you know what? Back then, you know, athletes in the 70s, uh, they were heroes because we didn't know that much about them. Today, uh, like my sons grow up in the, in the era of Instagram, in the era of social media. They know everything about the athletes. And the athletes feel the pressure to stay in Insta social media and Instagram. So they do stupid things like, uh, like flash guns around and stuff like that. Not the brightest move if you're uh, John Morant, but that's another story for another radio station. But 1-800-283-101.5. Did you ever get to meet an athlete? Uh, what was it like? Some of these guys, you would imagine they could be full of themselves. Some of these guys, you would imagine they could be really cool. When you meet an athlete on the way up, it's a hell of a lot different than meeting the athlete on the way down. Uh, some of what I got on social media, I put it up here. Comedian Rich Carucci. His favorite athlete was Bruce Jenner. Never got to meet him. Tom Strauss, I had three. Joe Namath, Tom Seaver, and Johnny Bench. And he got to meet Johnny Bench. See, these people should call the radio station. That would be a good idea. But that's okay. I'm going to give a pair of tickets to Tommy and me to the best call who met an athlete. Did you meet an athlete? I've never met an athlete, but I've never been like a big sports person. I was watching a comedy thing the other day, and I think I think you'll find this. Oh, funny. yeah? Uh, you know, people watch sports always throughout their entire life. That's their thing. And people put up posters and stuff. But I was as, that guy. <laughs> as you get older and you're putting up these posters, the players stay the same age. You know? Yeah, but it's different. You know why? why? Because when you're a sports fan, I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. When I watch the Giants, I am that 15-year-old kid getting tossed from Yankee Stadium or from the Meadowlands or whatever. When I watch the Giants, I'm a kid, and they are so much older. Uh, I know. I know. Because now I'm on the other side of it. <laughs> and I know growing up, you know, the, uh, the athlete in your mind is just bigger than life. You don't yeah. think it. it's different today. They do because I kind of think that this kind of accessibility 
has really shrunk that kind of an image. Yeah. But when you're a kid and like I, Robert Klein, young Robert Klein seeing Mickey Mantle, it was the <laughs> greatest thing that could happen to a kid was, you know, your, your love for your sports idol and the effect they have on your life. Uh, it's, when I was a kid, my favorite, athlete, my favorite giant was a guy named Joe Morrison. He wore number 40. Mm-hmm. He played halfback, fullback, but those, but they don't even, those positions don't even exist anymore. Oh, wow. Halfback, fullback, split end, tight end, flanker back, defensive back. He played at six positions. Oh my gosh. Played everything. And as it turned out, you know, when I, whenever we would play football, whenever we would all have the choose up games and everything, I was the guy that played all the different positions. And now, in my career, I've worked every single job you could in radio because rather than be, oh, I just do this, like a lot of guys do, like a lot of guys today do. For me, he did everything, and that kind of taught me to do everything. Your phone is a radio. Upload our free New Jersey 101.5 app on your phone and listen to us wherever you go. You get it almost every night. Dancing in a Monday night moonlight in New Jersey 101.5. 1-800-283-101.5 is the number. We were talking about, um, did you ever get to meet an athlete? Did you ever, uh, who was your favorite athlete growing up? You know, there's a, there's a connection, you know, because uh, when, you, when you're a kid and you have your sports hero, you want to emulate that hero, you wear their jersey, you've got the picture on the wall. Uh, for Ray Denninger, that was Tommy McDonald. And he was 10 years old, and his family would take him out to uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania to watch the Eagles train. That was summer. And he got to meet wide receiver Tommy McDonald. And he inspires Ray to become a sports writer. And uh, Tommy, uh, wide receiver, eventually uh, Ray makes the pitch that gets him into the Hall of Fame. It took uh, the first time it didn't, but eventually he goes in. And Ray wrote a play called Tommy and Me about that relationship. And the relationship between a kid and their sports hero is unlike any other. Because it's inspiring for the rest of your life. You know, you you remember that picture. And when you're a kid, you've got the poster on your wall. When you get older, maybe you buy something at auction. You tell the story. You know, we heard Robert Klein talking about Mickey Mantle. Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker, Super Bowl champion Stephen Baker, heard Ray interview, uh, heard the Ray Dittinger interview talking about uh, his idolizing, you know, of Tommy McDonald and talked about how he uh, grew up a big fan of Lynn Swan and what it meant to him to meet Lynn Swan. And he was a Super Bowl champion. So 1-800-283-101.5. Who were your sports heroes growing up? Did you ever get to meet them? And what was that like? And here's what I'm going to do. The best story. I'm going to give you a pair of tickets to see Tommy and me. Because I know Ray. And Ray wrote a great play. And I hope you get to see it. Andrew is in Flemington on New Jersey 101.5. Hey, Andrew. Hey, buddy. I must be in the front row. You are, Andrew. How you doing? Good. Can I tell you that joke real quick that I wanted to tell you? Go ahead. Uh, uh, ooh, I got a frog in my throat. I think you brought the whole family. 
All right, Andrew. Now tell me the story. Brett Skelton did that one. I like that one, yes. Um, Was that Gertrude or Heathcliff that told that? No, no, I don't know. That was Red Skelton. Yeah, because he had those... Yeah, he had those cat. Were the cats or magpies or something? No, the the Gertrude and Heathcliff, I think, were the magpies. Magpies. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right. No, Heckle and Jekyll oh. were the magpies. On the cartoon. Yeah, in the cartoon. Right, tell me the story, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Tell me the story. Don't go get off. Don't let's not get off. So focus. Growing up. Okay. Growing up, right. one of my not my biggest favorite athlete, but one of my favorites was Bo Jackson. Bo knows. He went to Georgia University, I think. Did he? So, I think so. Well, one of those in the in down south, maybe Alabama. I forget. Uh-huh. Anyway, I was at Newark Airport, and I was there to pick up my uncle, who was my legal guardian. I was waiting for his flight to come in. I'm hanging around, and this is just goes to show you how long ago this was. He was actually talking on a payphone when they used to have like a hundred payphones uh-huh. at Newark Airport. And right. I said hello to him and stuff. He was uh, gracious considering he was in the middle of a phone call. Yeah. But uh, he had the number, He had the 34 jersey on and everything. He wore the jersey at the airport? Yeah, is that goofy or what? I don't see that a lot, man. He uh, he played for the Auburn Tigers. Bo knows he played for the Oakland Raiders. He got hurt. He played, uh, he played as a dual sport guy. Yeah, he played the baseball. He was an outfielder with a great arm. Uh-huh. And he played for the Raiders about three years before his hips got bad. Yeah. He played for the Royals, the White Sox, the Angels, and he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. What a great story. Wow. A, yeah, and you got to meet him, and he was cool to you. He was nice to you. Yeah, he was nice. He said, hold on a second, I'm on the phone. But then before I knew it, he disappeared. He says to, he says to me, that's my mom over there, and she, his mother was at the uh, ticket counter. Mm-hmm. He goes, Mom, this guy's saying hello. So I waved to her, and then he ducked out. How about that? See the old, the old, the old uh, mom. Is this guy saying hello? Right? The old bait and switch. He got you looking that way, and he went away the other side. That that's that's a small. He turned into a. He turned into a ninja. He was a ninja. He turns into a ninja because he disappeared on Oh, me. I see what you're going. All right. Good stuff, Andrew. Tim is in Hillsborough on New Jersey 101.5. Hey, Tim. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? Good. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Tell me a story. Um, I, when I was a young high schooler many years ago, uh-huh. I uh, had the opportunity to meet John Mendenhall, who was the nose guard for the Giants. One number 64. I had his jersey. Yeah, and Craig Morton. <laughs> really? T- yeah. Together? I was at a dinner, and I got to meet those two guys. And then, uh, you know, I went on to play football in college myself, and I was actually a nose guard just like Mendenhall, and uh, I was an All-American and uh, captain of my team. Where'd you play? Uh played for Navy. Wow, how about that? And Mendenhall yeah. was your inspiration? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just one of those opportunities and you get to meet somebody. And I just remember how big he was, you know, at the time. So uh, it was just, a, just amazing uh, memory that I had. I was a big fan of Mendenhall. Mendenhall was nasty. Yeah. I remember Mendenhall and Conrad Dolbo were some classic battles. Sure, sure. The, there was one famous story, because uh, when Morton played for the Giants, the Giants were bad. Right, and right. there was one story, if you know this, when after the game, 
Mendenhall is walking into the locker room. He's like, if somebody doesn't do something about Craig Morton, I'm going to kill him myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of like mouthing what all the fans were saying. And you know, the, now what was Morton like? Um, you know, it, it, one of the things I remember about him is that, uh, and you're going to laugh when I say this, that he, he, he was dressed in a, a casually, you know, business uh, outfit, but he had no socks on. <laughs> I remember Do you remember the game where he gave the fans the finger? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were the bleak times for the Giants. Yeah. It's funny because I did, uh, years later, I did get to play at the old Giants stadium. I, I played there a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Oh, what'd that feel like? Well, you know, we, we played Notre Dame there when I was a junior. Right. And, of course, Notre Dame fans are, there was, you know, it was 90% Notre Dame fans in the seats, you know. Oh, but wow. And then we played Houston there uh, in the Garden State Bowl. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting stadium. Matter of fact, all the stadiums that I played in are pretty much gone. I played in the Vet, which is gone now. <laughs> played at Old Giant Stadium, that's gone now. Um you know, so it's 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 kind of funny looking looking and seeing these these stadiums are, are all gone. You like you know, the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. your last name? Jordan. Jordan. Tim Jordan. Oh wow! I'm gonna I'm gonna look you up. Oh, here you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I did, well, it's funny, Steve, because we've talked before when I called in for your contest and. Uh-huh. Uh, I got something uh, similar to your father because I was a retired. I'm a retired professional firefighter out of Hackensack. Oh, cool! Okay. Uh, I served in the Navy, obviously, for many years. I, I did 30 years in the Navy, eight years of active duty, and I was in the reserves for 22. Wow! Thank you. You know what? I'm going to thank you, but I'm going to give you tickets to Tommy and me. Can you go? <laughs> you you <laughs> got okay. him through well, June 17. I, I, I just uh, turned the radio on. I'm getting ready to go to sleep. It's down. It's down Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It's uh, Ray Didinger is an NFL writer, and he grew up loving Tommy McDonald. His favorite why his favorite player was Tommy McDonald, and he wrote a play about him. And he ends up in the story, the, the reality. He made the pitch. He got Tommy McDonald to the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, one of the things I can tell you a story about. Um, uh, one of my coaches at Navy was Belichick's father. Steven Belichick? Steve Belichick was one of my coaches at Navy. He coached the Navy yeah. for over 40 years. You're right. I remember yeah. the, the, the NFL films thing. All right, Tim, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to put you on hold. one 800 Carol, hold on. I'll give you more time. Here's Fast Trap, 15 minutes. On New Jersey, 101.5, Steve Trevelis. Trevia Wednesday night, music, movies, television, New Jersey. New Jersey, 101.5. Thursday night, we got uh, comedians Damian Muziani and Jason Pollock coming in. We got the uh, your sister's balls, meet the balls coming in. Uh, we'll talk about that. We got, uh, what else we got? Gemini's coming in for trivia. A good time shall be had by all as we work our way up to Memorial Day weekend. Tell me the story. Did you ever meet an athlete? Who was your favorite athlete growing up? Did you ever get to meet them? 1-800-283-101.5. Carol is in Tom's River. What's up, kiddo? It's your favorite, Carol. And guess who? Every day I used to talk to was Michael Strahan, lived in the condos across from my bagel shop in Rutherford. Oh, yeah? And when I was, yes. And my when I went to college, I didn't stay over my friends in Manhattan. I had an autograph 
placemat with Fran Tarkington and all the New York Giants that were out in him and with Mr. Laughs and my mother. She said, this guy's calling you all night long. I could have been married to a New York Giant. Fran Tarkington? But, yeah, well, it was Fran Tarkington and the Giants. They all were in this in this place that we were at. It was Mr. Laughs of the city back in the day. Wow. I my Fran Tarkington was my first Giant quarterback. I was a huge oh, one of the ten. He was amazing. He he would draw plays oh. in the dirt. I got to interview him. Yeah, oh, great! In fact, I got, I got Phil Simpson's rookie card here, home in my safe. Still sealed too. How about that? All right. So, and then I have, and even Ray Lucas, who was the quarterback for the Jets from Rutgers. That time. Yeah, well, I have pictures of him in my dining room when he was seven years old. We all hung out together. You hung out with seven-year-old? How did you hang out with seven-year-old Ray Lucas? Uh, no, it was, no, his parents. His parents and we all hung out together. Oh, how about and that? He worked, it was, and it was a liquor store. It used to be uh, was a liquor store in, in Rutherford. And what happened was he he ended up working doing an internship. Uh, and I said, Ray, what are you doing here? Wow. And Rutgers. So I have his Rutgers picture and his Rutgers jersey. He was good. And, you know what? Uh, he he uh, he got thrust in too early. In 99, Vinny Testaverde gets hurt in the first game. And Ray gets mm-hmm. thrown in to quarterback the Jets for Bill Parcells, of all people. I think now he broadcasts Rutgers games or something. Where do you hear this about Bill Parsons? My relative built Bill Parsons' house in Seagirt. Oh, yeah? I'm at his his cousin's house, and she said, and Bill Parsons signed a picture. Thank you for building me such a magnificent home. And his wife says, look, my boss is weak, and I can't get him to do crap for me. (laughs) Ah, you see that? Because now coach of the Giants. Thanks for the call. Frank is in Highland Park on New Jersey 101.5. Hi, Frank. Hey, how are you? Good. How about you? Not bad, not bad. Uh, Willis Reed. You Willis Reed was your favorite player growing up? No, well, not just growing up. I met him. You I, did? I friends with him, actually. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Willis Reed. Willis Reed played in the greatest game I ever saw, which I never saw. That game seven. You, 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 I saw it. Yeah. You saw it? Well, on TV, it was black and white. I was 10 years old. Yeah, they, well, they didn't. But back in the back in the day, they didn't run the game live. They put it on a tape delay. Yeah, I too was ten years old and couldn't go. I had to beg to stay up to watch it at eleven thirty. Yes, 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 yes. But what a class act! When he passed away, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was upset because I was a toll collector, and he at the time was the president of the net. I remember that. He used to come through the lane every day. Uh-huh. And the first time the first time I saw him, I was just like, you know, my mouth just dropped. You, you know? he's, he had that unmistakable face. You knew exactly who he was. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then he would come, he used to come every day. He used to get off. He'd get on at 15W and got off at 16W. Right. Never charged him for the toll. You know, it was only 35 cents. <laughs> <laughs> it was Willis Reed. Yeah. You don't charge Willis Reed. Absolutely. You thank Willis Reed. Absolutely. And he comes through one day with a stack of tickets. Right. And says, give this out to all the collectors and their family members and come to a game. Wow. Yeah. There had to be at least 75 tickets in there. Oh, and, my God. Uh, it was, you know, I never asked him for his autograph. 
Uh-huh. I just never thought about doing it. You know, you know real quick. Yeah. I was working in the Lincoln Tunnel one night. Who pulls into the lane? And he's smiling with those big, bright, white teeth. And I said, are you? And he go, he just nodded yes. And it was Earl the Pearl Monroe. Oh, my God. You know what? I got his autograph. <laughs> he wasn't getting at it at all. You ought to have, like, a thing that would come down and stop it. You ain't, I ain't opening this up till you sign this for me. I backed up traffic at least two, three miles. Because when you shut down one lane, I mean, everybody sat in traffic when they were toll collectors. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Cars were beeping and everything. Uh-huh. People were throwing the money at me after he left. I got to tell you, man, when, he, when Willis Reed died... And the New York Post ran the story of that game. I had te- I'm reading the story. I got tears coming down my eyes. I'll never forget that game. And if they play that game ten times, the Lakers would win nine. But on that night, was it May 8th, 1970, the Knicks beat the Lakers. Willis Reed comes out. He scores the first, right? He, ten minutes before the shoot-around, right? Ten minutes before the game time, he comes out. And no one's sure he's going to play. He got hurt in game uh, game five. He misses game six. Calls a press conference. Says I'm going to play if I play on one leg. And ten minutes before the before the game starts, he walks out, does the shoot around. The Lakers stop what they're doing to watch Willis. He comes. The game starts. He hits the first two baskets. Goes to the bench. Walt Frazier scores thirty six points. And the Knicks route the Lakers and win the NBA championship. I mean, those were two jump shots he took. Yeah, and that was it. And he went to the bench. And that crowd went crazy. Real quick, though, when Patrick Ewing played the Miami Heat in Game 7 at the Garden, right. they played that clip of Willis. Oh. The crowd went crazy. Yeah, they couldn't do it for Patrick Ewing, though. No, and well. he beat, beat the Knicks that day. Yeah, right. When Willis, when Willis Reed, you know, when Willis Reed did that, and that that just elevated him. That one game, that one, you know, because they, he played for a while and he played hurt a lot. And in '73, they would go back, but Jerry Lucas would go in at center because Willis was hurt a lot. But that night, that game, do you know, you know, the idea of like, you know, just live in infamy. That game is iconic. That game will never be forgotten. No, never. Yeah. Hey, man. I don't know who the sports announcer uh, is. Marv Albert. No, no, but he has his own talk show. I think Eisen, his name is. Oh, uh, Rich Eisen? Yeah. Yes. And he has a picture behind his desk of Willis and Will Chamberlain boxing one another out and a photograph by Bolton. Oh, God. And I was like, man, I would love to get a hold of that. Do you remember, I mean, in that era, it was Willis and Lou Alcindor. Because for the Knicks to get to that championship, right, they had to go through the Bullets and Wes Unseld. Then they went through the Celtics and Dave Cowens. Then they went through the Bucks and, and Lou Alcindor, not Kareem Jabbar, Lou Alcindor. Right. Then they went to the Lakers with Willis Reed and took him to game seven. Huh? I had a good memory. You have a great memory. I'll never forget that, Frank. Hey, man, thanks for the call to New Jersey 101.5 and the gr- great conversation. 1030. <laughs> On New Jersey 101.5. Steve Trevelis. 1-800-283-101.5. So, go to Steve Trevelis' page at nj1015.com. You find out 16 places. Take a cheap date. 
Uh, what else we got up there, Ryan Bissell? On the uh, on the 101.5 website? On the Steve Trevelyse page. Oh, on the, the Steve Trevelyse page. We have uh, where to get a cheap where to go for a cheap date, which I think you just mentioned. I just mentioned that. Yeah. And we also have... It's uh, glad to see you're paying attention when I'm in here. I'm, I'm pulling some stuff I'm up here. I'm pulling some stuff up. We okay. also have uh, your sister's balls. Your sister's balls. Where That's where we got them. If you're looking for your sister's balls, we got it on the Steve Trevelyse page. <laughs> J1015.com. Uh, all right, so are you ready? I think so. If you're ready, I'm ready. I've got news for you. Excellent news. Now it's time for Headlines and Trevlines. I read the news today, oh boy. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. As Steve comments on the headlines of New Jersey. Brace yourself, folks. For mind-blowing news. As only Steve can. What the hell's going on out here? A good question. There's a Philly cheeseburger. Hang on a second. There, there is. Yes, there's a Philly cheeseburger that's going to set you back $700. I had to take the cover off the microphone. I don't project enough. <laughs> what does it come with? A Super Bowl trophy? <laughs> so what the this $700 Philadelphia burger comes with is uh, it's called the Gold Standard Burger, and it weighs eight ounces. It's Japanese Wagyu beef. Eight, eight ounces. Eight ounces. Aged Irish cheddar plus caviar, black truffle, and lobster that's been flambéed in cognac. $800? $700. Oh, it's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. It's, Is that with or without the coupon? It's uh, it's without the coupon. And the best part, it comes with fries. Uh, who the hell would buy that? I don't know who would buy it, but it comes with fries. Oh, well, and now, now you make it all safe. Well, that that's the thing. You go to some of these places, they charge you like $13, $14, and the burger's just like okay. And then you don't get any fries with it. And mm. you look at the, the menu, and, you know, it says in small lettering at the very bottom, you know, fries are an extra four ninety nine or whatever. Well, at least if you're going to spend $700 for the burger, you should get the fries with it. Oh, yeah, and okay. the caviar. And the Wagyu, <laughs> the great Wagyu. Have you ever had that? Wagyu beef? Yeah. No. Have you? No. Seven hundred dollars? No, man. Well the meat doesn't like that the the, the meat, meat lived a better life than I did for seven hundred dollars. <laughs> I, I think if someone found out that they turned that aged wagyu beef into a burger, they probably How old was upset. the aged wagyu beef? Did the wagyu beef live a good life before it finally got <laughs> It's not necessarily about that. It, like the cut of meat, just it has like a high fat content in it. So to like it does, yeah. So like it's the marbling on it, and people say that like if you hold wagyu beef and your hands are like too hot, it like starts to melt in your hands even. Really? Yeah. So to like turn it then into a burger, like you know, uh, yeah, you like, throw it on the grill, right? Yeah, I hate to burn it. Yeah. Imagine that you got a seven dollar hamburger and you burn <laughs> the thing. See, I would do that. I would order the burger yeah. and then eat half of it. And then send it back. No. Send it back. Say, you know what? This isn't cooked the way I want it. Give me my money back. Now Do it again. A, now you got half the burger. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah. Um, the Chris, uh, Sorry. Chris. And now, let me ask you this. So now, if someone sent back. Yes. Right? You spent $700 burger. Somebody sends back the burger and there are like, say, a couple of bites taken out. Okay. Would you eat the remaining burger? I would take a $700 burger. Comes back. Two bites are taken out of it. I don't like the burger. I want a new one. Now, the $700 burger has come back. Do you pick up a knife, slice off where the other person ate, take the other half of the burger? Do you eat it? See, at face value, yes. 
but it, it depends because if it's some big guy who's who, who's got like a beard and he turns the burger upside down and jams his thumbs into the bottom, like I, I don't think the guy made love to the burger. I'm just saying the guy that picks up the burger, <laughs> takes a bite, all like it, sends it back. I think I, I think burger comes back <laughs> unscathed. Do you eat? I am eating it. I am not throwing five hundred dollars uh, exactly. in the garbage can. You know what? I I, I have no shame. I will, <laughs> I will microwave the damn burger and I will eat it. Yes, I will. We'll throw it in there just to remove any kind of either that or slather it with uh, what do you call it? Stuff you put on your the uh, the stuff you, when you when you go to the the Frank's Red Hot no hand sanitizer the hand sanitizer. <laughs> do you slather it with the hand sanitizer? Carol, I put that on everything. I mean, you you do have to get your immune system built, right? <laughs> if your father hands you the burger. You'd eat it, right? Yeah. Once upon a time, people went out and handed people food. Yeah. And it was never a difference, right? I mean, today, you would never think to do that. Oh, no. But I mean, like, I, look, I remember when I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, I remember how many, I can't tell you how many times. You know, you you, you buy a soda. I mean, we didn't have money. Whoever <laughs> you buy a soda, you, you take a sip, and then you take it, you hand it to your friend, and he takes a sip, and hands it to his friend. And we, everybody shared. Yeah. But I was back then. You know, in the in the barbaric times <laughs> of the seventies and the eighties, we were still doing that in the twenty tens. But right, yeah, but you don't think about it, right? Yeah. But the same thing, like, okay, so you bought a bag of potato chips, and you're eating the chips, and somebody would walk over, if you like some, and you offer them the bag, and they put their hand in a bag <laughs> and say, "Oh my God, I must sterilize myself." <laughs> right? It's yeah. a different time. Yeah, I think about sometimes at my uh, middle school, they used to have like this condiment station located just outside of where you get your food and it'd be for like preparing your salad and they had this little thing and it was my favorite thing but looking back on it i'm like how did i survive um how did I survive? it was these little thing of cubed meat that uh-huh. they would have just like sitting in like a little black like tray thing yeah. and it would just sit there out in the open throughout you know both you know hour-long lunch periods and i you know i would take what they want and put it in there. yeah i'd wait till yeah. the end of lunch and then you know no one else would want anymore and i'd go over and i'd be like more for me and now looking back on it i'm like oh, we see but you, you you lived you know it wasn't a big deal but mm-hmm. i mean like as far as well sandwich trays mm-hmm. right you go to a party and the tray of sandwiches would be there people just walk over pick up a sandwich it wasn't like, oh my god, I must, I must take it with the pounds. <laughs> you know, you just grab it. Pizza, oh yeah, pizza especially. Pizza would come, right? You just grab, it, split it, grab your slice, right? You yeah. touch the other slice. I think we, I think people. That's the one thing I've seen most people revert on. Like people will be like, "Ooh, can't touch it with your hands," and they see pe- they see pizza, and they're like, "Ooh, pizza!" That's out of the way. <laughs> that rule went out of the way. Every fifteen minutes on New Jersey one hundred one point five, Steve Trevelis. My God, what a Monday! It is like you blink your eyes and it's already 10 up. Yeah. We are like 10 minutes away from the Dennis and Judy Rewind. <laughs> the Rewind. The so, Rewind. I, I they have already hit the reverse button. Yeah. And, Ready and, for this to go. And just to note, the Rewind, they are not on the air. You can't call in and, no, and chime no, in on no, what they're no, saying. No, no. Um, they don't call, They don't talk to me when I call in when they're here, let alone calling in now when they're not here. A funny story one time. Uh, it was like, it was when I was first producing uh, your show. I was still getting used to like the whole system of how you leave and stuff and how you leave it ready for the next person. And so it was like 1120. And right. I see this guy's been trying to get in to call the Dennis and Judy Rewind for like 20 minutes Did now. Did you mess with him? <laughs> well, I wanted to, but then I was like, you know what? This guy's probably really tired. He just wants to say his thing and go to bed. So I pick up and I'm like, New Jersey 101.5, who's calling? Where are you calling from? And he tells me his name. And I'm like, hey, I feel really bad just that so you know. 
you know, they're not actually on the air right now. And I hear nothing on the other end. And I assume he hung up. And then I hear like this long, wheezy laughter come through. And he goes, ah, thanks, man. Have a great night. And then he hangs up. <laughs> See that? And that was after marijuana became legalized. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what do we got now? Uh, Kurt Cobain's guitar has sold for almost $600,000. His really? broken guitar. Slightly used. Oh, uh, yeah. How about that? Okay. So His broken guitar is over $600,000? Yes, his black Fender Stratocaster that's covered in scratches and chipped wood. What about that? Um, it has... There's a story behind every one of those. Oh, I'm sure. Um, it has his name, as well as his uh, his band Nirvana, misspelled on the front of it, and it was smashed and then put back together, but it is still no longer playable. <laughs> okay. Um, somebody spent $600 for this, $600,000 for this. Yeah, at Julian's Auctions, it sold for $596,000, nearly 10 times more than how it was uh, started at the auction. Okay. So... Yeah. Uh, it's uh, 30 years older than, than when it was the used. The Kurt Cobain guitar. The yeah. unplayable Kurt Cobain guitar. The once played. The yes. once played. Um, so uh, Bud Light has reportedly told wholesalers that it will buy back its unsold cases of beer that are past their expiration dates uh, in the wake of the disastrous really? Dylan Mulvaney uh, campaign. They're yeah. going to buy it back. You know what's funny? Do you, you see the commercial now, right? Mm -hmm. Have you seen the new commercial? I the the with one the, the, with the horse outside yeah. the Anheuser Busch thing and the guy and, with the, and deep the voice. guys and the guy with the deep voice and, and we're drinking beer around the American flag. Yeah. You know why don't they just run a commercial? And we screwed up and we're trying <laughs> to get back in your good graces. And this is what this is. Yeah, uh, really. I mean, that is the, the somebody had uh, somebody had a picture on Facebook of the cases of Bud Light and the signs that just take them. <laughs> oh my God! It's it's bad. I mean, people literally. Uh, what is it? If uh, further down in the article here, it says that sales of past Blue Ribbon were up twenty one point six percent in the week of May sixth because uh, Bud Light used to hold the biggest share on the market. They sponsored. People forget this. It, it juxtaposed to this Dylan Mulvaney thing. They sponsored. They were the main sponsor of the Super Bowl. Bud Light. Yeah, they, it was the it was like the Bud Light well, halftime show Bud or Bowl, something. Remember that the Bud Bowl and all that stuff. Yeah, for years. Well, the thing with Bud Light was that it's part of it is just so many other beers, microbreweries, so many different beers have sprung up, and the taste change. So yeah. the idea is, I mean. The idea, if you're trying to bring back the beer, you know, you're trying to gain traction. What the mistake that they made was they they pissed off their the people who were drinking the beer yeah. by calling them frat and out uh, of touch. <laughs> Why do you insult the, the, the few people that are left that actually <laughs> like your product? Insult them. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and then put something on that really insults. Yeah. If you if this is like that was like they should have hired George Costanza <laughs> to carry the Bud Light trophy around the parking lot. You ever see the Seinfeld episode where uh, he's trying to get fired from the Yankees, so he ties the World Series trophy to his car and starts driving it around the parking lot. <laughs> I didn't see that. They should have done that, and it probably wouldn't have would have been not as bad as what they did. Absolutely, but on the other hand, this could be a good thing for the beer industry. I mean, with less yeah, they all now know what not to do. Well, they know. I don't know what not to do, but also, I mean, other beers now have a larger share of the market, and that also means that, you know, these smaller craft breweries have a larger share of the market, too. 
And I honestly rather have a uh, tasteful, you know, non-mass produced beer than a, you know, watered down. Well, you're going to drink what you like. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as the beer companies go, you know, because they have Coors. Yeah. Oh, you have Bud Light. You you know, it was always Bud Light and Coors Light. But they were a, a less expensive beer. Yeah. No, I was going to say cheaper. Yeah, you know, they were a less expensive <laughs> beer, but usually, like you know, now, like I said, there's so much more variety in beer and so much more appreciation for beer that I don't know if it'll ever go back. Uh, I, you know, but then again, you know, it depending on whether or not people can afford it. Yeah. And you know, the microbreweries can only produce so much. That's the mass-produced beer. Yeah. And there'll be another generation of kids who won't have a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Give me that. Yeah. They just have to find they have to find a way to an audience to zone in on yeah. that's gonna buy it. Not many people know this also, but Bud Light was the uh the in work name of uh Airbud before it became uh, the movie that it was. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. All right, great job by you. This has been the Steve Travelee Show On Demand. Check out the latest from Steve on our free app or nj1015.com. New Jersey 101.